For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. And a very good morning from the Neil Prandeville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy in for Neil for the week and uh, getting uh, straight into it with the morning papers before we go to our calls. Workers turning to SVP is the big headline on front of uh, today's Echo. Those over support threshold, though, are screwed and isn't it always the way when you need the support and you go and get it uh, and you really genuinely need it and you're told you're just above the threshold that is no help whatsoever but don't look he reports on the front page of the echo that the working poor are turning more and more to charity as the cost of living spirals and with energy suppliers announcing price hikes people find themselves unable to make ends meet uh, 37% from SSE Electricity was announced as an increase over the weekend. We'll deal with that later in the programme. But Jerry Garvey of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul uh, told the Echo that many lower paid workers are falling between two stools as they are unable to access social protection supports. He said those at the charity believe the next six months are going to be really, really testing for people. Uh, the people at the top, let's quote him, the people at the top, the really high earners have such strong salaries that the cost of living will never impact them, Mr. Garvey said. Uh, the ones at the bottom are under pressure, but thankfully there are reasonable supports coming in for government, but they're still under pressure. If those thresholds don't move, um, this is just a personal opinion, if those thresholds don't move with rampant inflation, uh, then we are driving people into poverty. Uh, through lack of action. So the thresholds need to be looked at and increased, obviously. A month-long West Cork hosepipe ban, also on the Echo front page by Sarah O'Dwyer. A hosepipe ban is set to come into effect for 30 areas in West Cork from midnight tonight and for a period of four weeks. Irish Water said the conservation order has been issued in a bid to safeguard water supplies for essential purposes. Why just West Cork? It prohibits the use of garden hose pipes and other non-essential uses of water by domestic users and commercial premises for non-commercial activities. For example, watering gardens attached to a business premises. The move follows a long period of dry weather combined with a large increase in demand as a result of which water supplies in West Cork in particular have come under severe stress. That's the uh, Echo front page. Staying with the Echo and call for action after key wall collapse. This is next to the Southgate Bridge. Uh, this is obviously one uh, a wall that's hundreds and hundreds uh, of years old. But members of Cork City Council have called for urgent intervention after a key wall collapse caused the temporary closure of Cork's Southgate Bridge on Saturday. The collapse occurred on the wall adjacent to the northeastern side of the bridge at the key wall of the car park which adjoins South Main Street and Grand Parade. So if you're coming along Sullivan's Quay uh, towards Ford's Bar, I guess, and onto Proby's Quay and you look right down to where what Sir Henry's would have been uh, then you'll see the uh, the fallen rocks in the river. But it's a big gaping hole and it does look like more is going to happen there. Uh, looking at the picture in the Echo, there are modern concrete blocks on top of it. Uh, I'm not sure if that uh, was ever meant to support such weight. Uh, but giving way it is. So have a look at that in the Echo as well. By the way, it's the latest in a number of key wall collapses along that stretch of the south channel of the River Lee. And as I said, hundreds and hundreds of years old. Uh, we cannot even think of buying a new home is the Mail's front page today. The cost of living is hampering the ability to purchase bring the ability to save, and renters can't afford the latest rates either. But there's still no decrease as yet in property prices, and people who hope to get their foot on the housing ladder are losing hope 
as house prices remain stuck at unaffordable levels and everyday expenses such as energy, food and entertainment soar. The cost of living crisis is severely hampering potential homeowners' ability to buy. Amid fears, property prices will not see a drop in the near future, according to new research. New and rising inflation, which has seen necessary expenses such as fuel, electricity and groceries soar in recent months, is also leaving a prospective renter unable to afford a home. If you're looking to rent, renters are saying the cost of living is affecting uh, the ability to just get their uh, foot on the ladder and even a small property, just under half of them, 49% of those looking to buy, say inflation is stalling their ability to purchase Price rises are eating into their disposable income and their ability to save. Uh, the uh, Concur uh, article is in the Star. Uh, they're agreeing here. They're saying now it's generation can't rent. Uh, we went from generation buy to generation rent. Now can't rent. Rising prices for everything, hitting ability to pay. Almost two-thirds of renters claim the rising cost of living is affecting their ability to pay their rent. Research shows. Findings from myhome.ie show 63% of prospective renters think the rising cost of living has affected their ability to rent a property. And if things go the way they're going, uh, it's not rocket scientist. Your pint would cost €25 if prices rose at gas's rate. It's enough to make you spill your pint. Uh, This is Dolly Busby reporting in the mail. Uh, If the cost of a pint of plain had risen at the same speed as gas prices over the past year, your friendly barman would be charging an eye-watering €25 Euro for a Guinness. This year, the average price for a pint of Guinness has risen by 17 cent from 4 to 5 13 That's on average. I haven't seen uh, a pint of Guinness over a fiver uh, in the last three months, anyway. Then again, maybe I'm not frequenting the more upmarket places uh, in town, that is. Don't really go out in town. Wholesale gas prices, however, have risen almost five-fold as inflation is at its highest in th- 38 years. And wholesale gas prices have risen from 46 uh, euro per MWH a year ago to 226 euro now. That's a whopping five-fold increase. Other revealing comparisons include a cup of coffee rising from 365. It would be 18.25 in one year for a cup of coffee. Uh, A Dublin bus ticket for a 90-minute journey would go from 2 euro to 10 euro. A Tesco meal deal costing 3.99 today would rise if it was compared to gas to 1995 and a pair of socks from pennies would rise from 325 to 1625 inflation has reached 9.1% now and Ireland recorded its largest annual price increase since spring 1984 remember 84 guys some of us are old enough to remember that biting recession the average price for a large loaf of bread is up 18 cent spaghetti increased by 21 cent 2 uh, 2 liters uh, by 27%, I assume that's 2 litres of milk, and butter by pound is up by 48 cent. Irish cheddar per kilogram rose by a shocking 1 euro and 7 uh, this year. And prices have been rising on an annual basis since April 2021, with annual inflation of more than 5% recorded each month since October 2021. Other increases include 19.4% for transport, 7.8% for alcohol and tobacco, and 7.8% for food and non-alcoholic beverages. So if you extrapolate the figures, they make for interesting reading. Uh, the Vintners, we stand to booze out in tax. Speaking of pint increases, slashing the tax on alcohol by 15% can help pubs to stay open. It's been claimed. The Vintners Federation of Ireland says many pubs won't survive the winter and rising energy prices without drastic action by the state. 
More than 1,800 pubs shut their doors between 2005 and 2021, the association says, and tax cuts by the government are needed to prevent even more closures. The VFI, representing about 4,000 pubs, has called for two successive cuts of 7.5%. Well, the budget is on the way next month. Let's see what happens. Chief Executive Paul Clancy yesterday said, after having had to deal with coronavirus, Pubs are now being seriously affected by the cost of living crisis. Every input from food to wages to energy costs is rising. We've experienced a good summer, but winter is coming and every input from food to wages and everything else is putting us under pressure. Energy used to be 15 cent per kilowatt. Now it's tripled to 45 cent. We need a break to keep staff and keep the doors open in winter. Excise rates aren't controlled by Europe. This is something we can do, of course, uh, to get us back in line with Europe and something maybe the government should consider in the upcoming budget because hard-pressed people still need a little bit of social interaction, a little bit of entertainment and of course when they do spend money in hospitality, the spin-off is directly local. I've always said it, if your local hotel is full, then the local greengrocer, butcher, milkman, etc should at least be happy. That's if the hotel is sourcing locally. Uh, But all of the hospitality industry uh, will benefit uh, if this is considered. That's just what they're saying. I would tend to agree, um, you know, in the uh, the whole plethora of uh, massive price increases, looking at oil creeping up again now, uh, there was a short hiatus in, in the diesel and the petrol prices. Incidentally, I was in Dublin two, ten days ago, and on the Grand Canal, I saw two garages selling diesel for 181. Uh, the uh, Garages in Cork at the time were at, at or, or around 196. Uh, in Dublin, 181. That's a 15 cent difference. Uh, and that's in our capital city, giving the better prices. Anyway, back to the papers. The Irish Times, thousands of children waiting to hear if they'll have a seat on a school bus. It's that time of year again. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it on the programme very soon. Minister for Education, Norma Foley, has been accused of missing in action uh, or being missing in action as thousands of children are still waiting to hear if they'll have a seat on a bus for the upcoming school term. This has to be planned. Other children have to be left at home or minded uh, if the uh, the bus can't take certain children to school. Uh, it's individual, of course, and different for every family. Uh, but to be able to plan ahead uh, this close to the start of school is a must for parents, and they're just left in limbo. Many pupils have had uh, their request for a place on school transport rejected after a surge in demand since the government announced it was waiving fees for one year under measures to alleviate the cost of living crisis. Of course, that's going to create a huge increase in demand. It confirmed almost 130,000 applications were received. Over 115,000 tickets for school buses have now been sent to families in advance of the reopening of schools. And Sean Kenny, a former junior minister and independent TV for Galway, said hundreds of families have been contacted in recent days about the fiasco over tickets for the bus. In rural areas, it's a total fiasco. People don't know and parents don't know how they'll get their children to school and they've been left in limbo at very short notice. In rural areas, uh, it's particularly bad and every year the scheme is oversubscribed but this year is something phenomenal altogether. And one more, revealed our most crowded primary school classrooms. Sorry to be the bearer of such a Sad and bad news this morning. We're looking for positive stories too, of course. One in three national schools has at least one class that's overcrowded and just 17% of pupils are studying classes below the EU average of 20. And you can check that out with Sean McCorhey on the front page of The Independent. 
to space next. The Neil Prendeville Show, Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork on Red FM. And before we get down to the uh, general punter calls, as we call them, of the day, uh, the things that you want to get off your chest, and of course, you're more than welcome to phone us on 0818-104-106 or on text. You can text 0868104106 by SMS or WhatsApp. Let's look to the moon and a new NASA rocket which is about to take off on a historic mission to the moon. The Artemis 1 mission won't land on the lunar surface, but the trip itself will be the farthest a vehicle designed for human astronauts has ever travelled into space. And David Moore of Astronomy Ireland joins me on line one. Uh, 50 years on, David. Exciting times for you. Oh, very exciting day, because this is the start of people getting back to the moon, something we haven't seen since 1972, when the last Apollo astronauts walked on its surface. So it's been a long time coming. Lots of delays, very expensive mission, and we're hoping this test flight, with no people on board this time, will work. And then next year, they're going to put real humans on board. There's only crash test test dummies on board today. And a soft tie, I believe, is going up as well, yeah? Yeah, there's loads of gimmicks being added, bits from the old Apollo missions, just to add sort of flavour to the whole thing. Because it's a very expensive launch, and they've got the dummies wired up with thousands of sensors. One's got radiation proofing clothing on it, the other one doesn't, to see how much dosage the astronauts will get, and all kinds of things like that. So they're making good use of this 42-day, six-week mission to get as much information before they risk putting people on it. Yeah. Now, the American space program, of course, has not been without its catastrophes and loss of life. And a certain trepidation is welcome, I suppose, if you're trying to verify the safety uh, of a rocket, because we haven't been uh, putting, or the Americans haven't been putting rockets up, um, you know, of NASA's making for some time. But isn't this all giving fuel to those naysayers who say there's no way man walked on the moon 54 or 53 years ago? Yeah, well, we, we could debate the moon hoax uh, problem all day long. The simple fact of the matter is they did go. Uh, you can disprove a lot of these claims that people have relatively easily. I've done it myself with some of uh, the people like Bart Sigrell. You can prove he's lying. I've called him a liar on radio. He hasn't sued me yet. Uh, I'm not expecting he will do so. So they definitely went. I personally met Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and some other moonwalkers as well. Neil, by the way, told me he's very proud of his Irish ancestry before he passed away a few years ago. Uh So they definitely went and let let them all talk because it just adds flavor and more publicity to the whole thing. Like, is the earth flat? I don't think so. It looks flat, but it isn't. Okay, we'll get back to the the topic at hand in a moment. Uh, David, you, you may be able to uh, clarify if this is a myth or, or if it's true. Apparently, um, the porter or the, what, what do you call the doorman at the old Great Southern Hotel in uh, Killarney uh, was out looking at a full moon and there was a guy next to him smoking a cigar and he said, you know something, Christ, you'll never get a view of the moon like you will from Kelly. And uh, the guy turned around and said, I beg to differ. Neil Armstrong, glad to meet you. <laughs> do you know if that's true or not? I, I haven't heard that story before, but I, we, we do know that Neil Armstrong has been all over Ireland. In fact, yeah. he's definitely in Kerry. I remember in the 90s we covered it for Astronomy Ireland magazine. We sent one of our reporters down. He was down there being hosted by Dick Spring, I seem to remember, at the time. So he's definitely been to Kerry, and that yeah. could have been the hotel he was staying in. It could have been, yeah. I, I believe John Young, the first pilot uh, of the first commander of the, of the space shuttle, spent a lot of time there as well. 
uh, as the Charlie Chaplin. But I digress. Let, let's get back yeah. to the, let's get back to the mission in hand. So, so they're hoping to put humankind back on the moon around 2025, and this is the first step towards that. Is that correct? Yes. So this is a massive rocket, the most powerful rocket ever built. Uh, so it's as big as roughly the Saturn V rocket that launched people to the moon. And you don't normally need rockets that big because you tend to put up smaller satellites just into low Earth orbit. But when you want to go to the moon and you want to carry people and all the life support systems they need, you need a very big rocket. So it's been tested on the ground and now's the chance to test it going all the way to the moon. And you're not going to risk people on its maiden flight. Are you going to check that it all works first? Then next year, another mission goes up with astronauts on board, but it won't land on the moon. Again, it's going to test out the system, make sure the life support works, make sure that when it comes back to Earth, that it can re-enter the Earth's atmosphere safely and you can recover your astronauts. But in 2025, only three years away, they are going to land people on the moon. Uh, they're definitely going to land a woman. They didn't do that during the Apollo mission. All the 12 moonwalkers were male. Uh, they're also going to uh, launch people from different, different ethnic backgrounds to redress that balance from the 1960s as well. So it's going to be a very interesting mission. Uh, we've been trying to speculate because they haven't selected the astronauts yet, but we know some of the most prominent NASA astronauts uh, and who would likely to be selected. It's probably one of, uh, one of two female astronauts. And they, she would probably be the first person out of the door, like Neil Armstrong was. Uh, hopefully she'll have some choice words like Neil did. Mm-hmm. And is it? Am I correct in in assuming that, that they want to put an orbiting sort of a space station module orbiting the moon that will support a permanent base there ultimately? Yes, I mean the whole program has been laid out very carefully. It's not just a publicity stunt to get people on the moon. And that's the end of it, which is sort of what the Apollo missions were. The Americans were in a race with the Soviet, then Soviet Union to be first to the moon. Uh, I remember John F. Kennedy making his famous speech in the early 60s where he wanted to put an astronaut on the moon by the end of the decade, which he unfortunately never lived to see, but they did achieve. Then things went quiet for 50 years, and now the plan is to go back to the moon and stay there, to have a, an orbiting space station around the moon and to be able to go down onto the moon's surface and back up without having to go all the way from the Earth and then to build permanent moon bases, not just government bodies like NASA, but also commercial institutions are interested in this as well. There's all things you can do on the moon and sell those products, not just space tourists, but there's a lot of science that can be done. There is money for, for building big science instruments and the like. So some people are looking into this as a commercial viability. And of course, the more rockets you build, the cheaper they become. So the cost of going into space is expected to drop dramatically. So this is the real uh, era of space exploration. The stuff we had in manned space exploration we had in the 60s was a bit of an anomaly thanks to the politics of the day. We went too early. It was hugely expensive. And in fact, the Artemis mission is costing less in real terms uh, than the Apollo mission did. Okay, of course, Jack Kennedy's dream realized funding and interest in in further explanation of the, uh, exploration of the moon kind of dwindled in the early to mid-70s. F- 50 years on, where's the impetus now? Is, where, is, is it social? Is it financial? Is, is it military? Is it a mission to Mars? What, what's fueling the, uh, the current drive to get people back to the moon? Yeah, well, it's definitely, it's definitely not military. There's no real race with anybody else. But what happens when you build rockets to go into space putting people on them, is you employ a huge number of people in your economy in very advanced technologies, 
because a lot of it will still be cutting edge, biggest rocket ever, for instance. And the spin-off for your economy is then enormous. I've forgotten the exact statistic, but NASA reckons for every dollar of the $23 billion they get off the government every year, they get uh, several times, five, seven, three is the kind of numbers I've heard, dollars back into the U.S. economy. So if you've got a high-tech economy, one of the best things you can do is invest in space. And you end up with things like smartphones that people are using today. The whole microelectronics industry came out of the need to miniaturize computers. And once that was done by the contracts for NASA back in the 60s and 70s, they went off and said, well, what commercial applications can we do with these? And the answer is the entire computer industry, practically. There were giant mainframes before, and now everything, well, first of all, it went to desktops, and now it's gone to things you can hold in your hand. So that's a multi-trillion dollar industry that was spun off by them spending, I think it was $20 billion in, in 1960s. Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen. I remember watching Star Trek. Very advanced. I remember watching Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek as uh, as a young boy and, and just couldn't believe that you could have something in your hand that could, could communicate with other people without wires and that doors would open for you when you walked towards them. And, and lo and behold, that's that's par for the course today. Yep, absolutely. And this is, this is it. It's, it's the spin-offs that, that come off, the unexpected ones. Uh, and the fact that you know, you're, you're not wasting this money, you're reinvesting it in your economy. Well, it will come back in taxes, for instance, and these people will work in other industries, and new industries will be created. So the space industry today has, is around the trillion-dollar mark worldwide, and that's expected to grow. I mean, look at Star Trek. Who doesn't think that? The long-term future of the human race is in space. We sort of messed up this planet a bit. Hopefully, we can fix it. But we can go on to lots of other planets as well, uh, and moons, and you know, hopefully do things right and as we increase our population, we're going to need other places as well. And there are vast resources out there also. And there's great science you can do from places like the moon where there's no radio signals interfering with, with, uh, with kind of objects you're trying to study in deep space. So there's lots of applications for space. Near Earth, it's obvious. Yeah, you, you, you said America wasn't in a race. You said America wasn't in a race, David Moore, but I, I can't remember his name. I saw a senior American politician over the weekend saying we need to get there before China because China w- wants to land on the south pole of the moon where there are considerable mineral opportunities, I believe, and stake a claim there. Uh, so by going first, we kind of, we, we beat them off at the pass. Yeah, well, the moment I said that, I realized there is actually a bit of a race. We don't quite know what the Chinese are doing, but they do have a spacecraft at the moon at the moment. We just published a fantastic picture. It sent back of one of Mars moons in the last issue of our magazine. And, uh, you know, the Chinese have definitely got plans, as any major uh, economy would, to go into space. Even in Ireland, we've grown recently our contribution to the European Space Agency. I was just talking to a former government minister at the weekend about plans to increase that again. There's nearly a billion dollar or euros being spent every year on space hardware on this island. And, and as I said, it's an industry that's going to increase. So we want to make sure our economy has a decent chunk of that. So if the Chinese revealed exactly what they're planning, they may just be doing the same thing. It's a good idea to have a space uh, uh, technology sector in your economy because of the spin-offs. Or it could be that they are planning to colonize, colonize the moon. And ultimately, Mars, which appropriately enough, has always been called the Red Planet. Mm. Okay, of course, uh, being synonymous with Astronomy Ireland I means this is your passion, this is your calling, but how do you justify the expense, David Moore, 
uh, of everything that's going on here when we live in these straitened times with children starving, uh, massive weather uh, complications uh, due to global warming like we're seeing in the monsoons in Pakistan, war on the planet. I mean, we can't handle the planet we're on. Why are we looking for more of them? Well, I've sort of alluded to it, and it's that it's the benefits that it brings back to your economy. And it's not money that we're sending off in aid that's not going to come back to the economy. But we end up with better medical systems. So all the kinds of advanced imaging systems, scanners that we have today, that all comes from the electronics industry. And also the people that work on projects like that, they may have worked in a space industry before, and you know, then they're looking for other projects when that contract is over. And they end up working for other companies. So it gives you a really high-tech economy and civilization. And that's what you want. We've cured so many diseases. Even most cancers now are controllable. And the, the plan is that with modern technology and the kind of spin-offs and the kind of expertise that you generate, that that feeds back into every aspect of society. And the richer your economy is, the more you can help other countries that are not at your level. So space and space investment, it's not money that's wasted, it's money that's reinvested. Sometimes it's long-term, you're looking for payoffs after decades rather than months or years. But space is def- definitely a force for good. And this is before you start bringing up the esoteric arguments like, oh, why do we spend money on sport? We actually spend far more on sport. Why do we spend it on entertainment? Aren't they all frivolous things when the, when the planet's burning and the other things that people with a very negative attitude can say, yes, we have problems, but we can manage them if we put the political will into them. You certainly don't want to kill your space industry, but that will help you with a lot of the solutions to the world's problems. Okay, fair enough. That's a well-considered answer. Now, let's get back to, uh, because I don't have much time left, uh, some specifics here. As you said, there won't be any humans on this big trip uh, when we're, fo- we're focusing on it because 12.33 today, just after half past 12, put on your news channels or whatever, I guess they'll all be covering it. So there's going to be three astronauts as such, Helga, Zohar, and Munikin Campos. Now, these are high-tech mannequins. Uh, that's the term for human bodies used in scientific research, like crash test dummies, I suppose. They're filled with sensors that's going to test how the human body responds to space travel. And Helga and Zohar are designed to measure the effects of radiation, particularly on women's bodies in space. And Munich and Campos will sit in the commander's seat. Uh, why wasn't one of the ladies in the commander's seat, I wonder? Anyway, uh, that's to track just how bumpy a voyage to moon might be for future human crew members. You think they'd know that. Um, now, apparently, these mannequins don't look great, not particularly impressive on their own, but they're going to play a critical role in NASA's ambitions to build a new pathway to the moon. So this is going to be our launch pad for Mars, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the long-term uh, plan is to get to Mars. The moon is much easier. So you can go there in just a few days. Mars is going to take several months. And when you're in deep space be- between the planets, the radiation environment is very different to what it is to the seven astronauts that we have right now on the International Space Station, and there are three Chinese astronauts on their space stations. There's 10 people in space at the moment. But the Earth's magnetic field acts as a bit of a shield and reduces the amount of radiation that you're exposed to. But once you head toward the moon, which is much further away, then you're exposed to the radiation directly that's coming from the sun. There was always a big fear during the Apollo era that there'd be a massive explosion on the sun and it would send a catastrophic dose of radiation uh, towards the astronauts or while they were standing on the moon's surface. That could have happened as well. So to monitor the amount of space radiation, especially as it's the, the most damaging to, to the human body because radiation will affect your electronics as well, and they've tested that a lot, is very important, especially in this mission. It'll be 42 days in space. 
So that's a significant dose of radiation. You might remember the Apollo missions were about a, a week to 10 days long. So they weren't as long uh, as this particular mission is. So they'll get good information on what radiation is like in, uh, away from the Earth's protective blanket. Okay, uh, so due to launch, as I said, at 12.33, just uh, this afternoon, just after half past 12, uh, your hope, I suppose, is that everything launches the most dangerous part, uh, the amount of fuel, because you've got stage one and stage two. The stage one fuel has to carry the stage two fuel and the module uh, into, into almost uh, suborbit, I suppose, and then with the uh, jettisoning of, st- of stage one, am I right? Uh, stage two can then accelerate to the required, whatever, 17,500 miles per hour? Yeah, you need to be travelling at 17,500 miles an hour if you're just above the Earth's atmosphere, say 100 miles up or so. Uh, but to get to the moon, you need to accelerate to 25,000, which most rockets don't need to do. So that's a, a, an extra kick that is needed by this giant rocket. That's why you need such a huge rocket to launch, not just the, the Orion spacecraft that's going to the moon, uh, which I think weighs 8 tonnes, uh, but also all the fuel that's needed. Most of the rocket sitting on the pad is fuel, and it's actually rather like a controlled small nuclear explosion. So you want to make sure that that, is re- that energy is released exactly as planned and doesn't blow up. And there's a whole program of events around today's launch at mostly 1.30 Irish time. Uh, Jack Black, the actor, he's going to be there as a guest. His mother worked for NASA. Uh, Captain America himself, Chris Evans, will be on hand. Uh, and uh, uh, other actors and actors and singers are going to be singing, you know, American uh, theme song, shall we say. So NASA's making a real spectacle of it. And you can watch it online these days. NASA TV, just search for it. You'll find NASA TV. I'll certainly be watching. They've a two-hour window, because if there's a storm or something passing by, they might decide to hang on after half one. But it looks good at the moment. Okay, is it half twelve or half one, just to clarify? Half one Irish time, so you've got to add the hour in for summertime. Our clocks are forward. Okay. So oh, we're, G- we're GMT plus one or three. And they've, they've two hours, so keep checking in. But like you say, I'm sure most of the news channels will be carrying it live because it's such a historic day. Yeah, and that's why we have you on, David Moore, and we thank you very much. David Moore from Astronomy Ireland, 50 years on as America tries once again to put humans on the moon, starting with the non-manned launch this afternoon. Sometime between, I guess coverage will start at around one o'clock or something, uh, they have that two-hour window, so it could be any time between one o'clock or half one and half three. Yes, that, that's right. In fact, they're starting early uh, because they have, you know, they'll have they'll be previewing the mission, getting ready, and explaining what's going to happen. And then the main event, hopefully, is when they like the blue touch paper and retire. And this massive rocket with nine million pounds of thrust uh, will will slowly creep into the sky. Anyone close by will have the, their their bones rattled. And I believe they're expecting a half a million people to watch. It's about as many people as can fit into the area. Yeah, just looking at Cape Canaveral, there's about a mile away, there's a SpaceX rocket. When is that going up? Yeah, there are, there are lots of other rockets being launched all the time, including the SpaceX ones. We had a SpaceX rocket uh, launched um, two, two mornings, uh, no, Sunday morning it was, yesterday morning. And they lost in the time. And it's launched 50 of these little Starlink satellites that's supposed to give internet from space. Elon Musk's uh, mm. company uh, and they would have looked fantastic flying over Ireland about 5am on Sunday morning but we looked at the weather satellite picture because the entire country was clouded out but they're expected to slowly separate and you'll see them in the Irish skies every morning if you want to get predictions for those free of charge for Ireland go to our social media uh, just search for Astronomy on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter 
And you'll see in the evenings, we post the prediction of when to see those. You could even see the International Space Station with the only astronauts currently in space in Irish sky. So you will have to get up around five in the morning. But it'll be visible in the evenings next month. It's against darker. There's loads to see. Do follow it on social media. It's a fascinating area. There's just so much happening in space, not just with moonshots, but with planets on view, comets coming in the tips in October. Uh, we hope everyone wants to join Astronomy Ireland and follow all this through our magazine. All right, brilliant. Uh, great day for everyone in Astronomy Ireland. Wish you all the best. David Moore, thank you for giving us that great overview of what's going to be happening today. But I wonder what Eamon... Thanks, David. I wonder what... Uh, Eamon Ryan of the Green Party would make of uh, all that fuel being burned in this uh, venture into space. Down with that sort of thing, he'd probably say. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. And a very good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. Back down to Earth now from space with a bang. And Nigella's on line two. Hi, Nigella. Hi, Mick. How are you this morning? I'm good. You replied for a school bus in February. Tell me all about That's that. Right. You, you did it on a Yahoo account, was it? That's right, Mick. I have four school-going children. My eldest is beginning secondary school this year. She started last Thursday. Um, so they have always taken the bus to primary school. I have been registered with Bus Erin since 2017 when we moved to the area. In February, on the 4th of February, I registered them. I changed her application to post-primary and I added on my youngest who will be starting junior infants this week. At the time, Boss Aaron were unable to take payment, but I didn't think anything much of it because we normally pay in June or July anyways. It was months off. Then when the free travel was announced, I double-checked. Everyone was still on the portal. Everything looked fine. I have had no communication from Boss Aaron regards registering in July like they have been requiring people. They wanted people to log on in between the 15th and the 29th of July to re-register their children and request the tickets. I didn't receive that apparently because my Yahoo address is rejecting Bus Aaron's emails as are all Yahoo email addresses. Bus Aaron didn't use any alternative means of contact. There was no text sent out, no media campaign, no letters sent out, phone calls, nothing. They just decided that they would leave these people hanging. So on Thursday the 18th of August, I was getting a little bit concerned having not received any bus tickets. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize there was any issues at this stage. So I logged on the bus there in portals to check. The portal was closed and there was a message up about registering that applications were closed after the 29th of July didn't think a whole pile of this because I had registered in February. So I phoned the helpline just to verify and I spoke to a very unhelpful customer service agent who said that my Yahoo address would have rejected their email to get people to request tickets between the 15th and 29th of July and that because I was doing this after the 29th of July, I would be considered a late request and we didn't have any guarantee of tickets. We would be treated as concessionary. Mm. Not the first time I've come across Yahoo accounts uh, being rejected by certain organizations. They say that Gmail is better uh, in that in certain, I'm not sure in what setup, but in in certain setups you can uh, have a proof of delivery, that it was delivered, and you can have a a proof of reading. Uh, And that would certainly strengthen your case, but too late now, is it? 
Too late now is what I've, I've been told from Bus Erin at every turn. Um, they are saying that we are a late request despite having applied in February, that we will be treated as concessionary despite being eligible living over 15 kilometres away from the nearest secondary school um, and despite the fact that we've always used the buses. You've always so, used the buses. You're, you're a previous client. Uh, can, can, we're a previous client, can, yeah. can, can I ask you the question, what, why would the government announce something that you are already paying for, uh, be free. Now, I know the reason why they did it, uh, and that is to uh, combat, be an element of uh, combative element, if you like, in the rising cost of living, uh, but then not put on the extra capacity that that action would demand or would create. This is the problem. Bus Aaron are saying that there are an additional 44,000 applications to what they would expect this year, but that they've not been allocated any additional funding for buses or drivers. So it's basically a lottery system of who gets a ticket. <laughs> but that completely defies logic in, in that it, it's completely counterproductive. Absolutely. You give something Absolutely. for free that people were paying for. It's going to create extra demand and then say we don't have capacity. So the very people you're trying to help are being more disenfranchised. Absolutely. And the problem is that bus errand systems aren't built to cope with this volume. I've spoken to the local inspector. He's told me that the system is crashing regularly, that they can't cope with the volume of requests going through. They don't have the capacity to seat all these kids on the buses in the first place. And they're left scrambling trying to find additional drivers to change buses from some routes where they would have been smaller buses in previous years to larger buses this year. Okay. And it's just a complete disaster. So you're 15 kilometres away from your nearest secondary school. That's too far to walk. It's probably too far to cycle. Uh, so you Absolutely. do you do need we're, help from... We're quite rural, so, you know, it takes a good 25 minutes to drive that 15 kilometres, never mind if there's additional heavy school traffic. And my issue is that it means I'm going to have to take all of my kids out of the house at 8 o'clock in the morning to drive my eldest to the secondary school, come back, have them quickly get ready for their school, have a quick bite to eat, and then drop them to their school, which their school is only five kilometres away. It's, you know... That's the easy part, yeah. Yeah, that's That's what I was was trying to get at when I I made my own personal comment during the, the paper review. You know, if you look at your children who are in need of the bus, uh... Officialdom would tend to look at them in singularity or, plur- or plurar- plurar- God, where am I going this morning? Plurality. But there's other children in a family uh, that are, in your case, exactly need to not be left alone, need to be taking that unnecessary trip so they can be minded by you in the car and not left at home. Exactly. My husband leaves for work at seven o'clock in the morning, so it isn't an option for him to help out with the school run, unfortunately. So I'm left on my own with four children. It's difficult enough to get everybody up and out of the door for the nine o'clock bus that they were taking last year. My eldest would be on the eight o'clock bus, but to have everybody into the car so that they can drop the eldest to school, it's, it's just not doable in the long term. I had to do it this morning. Everybody's asleep. You know, you're yeah. throwing them into the car in their pajamas. It's just not workable. Yeah, but they have a back door now. It's like you can blame Yahoo, not us. Is that what they're saying? Exactly. They're saying, you know, it's it's Yahoo's fault. Well, you know, that may be the case. But when they realized that this was an issue, they should have issued alternative communications. 
you know, a letter could have gone out, a text, they could have informed the media at the time or put in some sort of moratorium where anybody who was on a Yahoo account, they were already considered a request. There were ways around Yeah, because you you can prove the sent email, you can print off the sent email and say, look, here you go. I, I, I honest, need to be bumped it's, back up. It's never been an issue in the past. I, I have the confirmation from the 4th of February saying that you've registered your kids on the portal. So, you know, it only became a problem within the last couple of months. I got you. i got to leave it there, though. But uh, will you keep us in touch with your situation? You're now being treated as a late applicant. But with four, as a late applicant. Four and I've kids. contacted three different TDs and a local councillor. They're raising cases with the Minister and the Department of Education. I, I don't know where else to go with this because I, I just can't do this in the long term. And it's going to cause all the kids to suffer, not just the eldest. Yeah, so there's three kids going to suffer by having to get up early and go in the car in their pyjamas. Yeah, the fourth. Uh, and, and the fourth. And we have additional needs. You know, they're, they're, some of our kids are autistic. One has ADHD and dyspraxia. There's additional needs here that are going to make it even harder than it would be for family with neurotypical children. Okay, so the solution is one place on the bus for the eldest child. Absolutely. Okay, leave, leave us know how you get on with that, will you? I will do, Mick. Thank Nigella, you. thank you very much. Cheers. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Coming up on 6 Minutes to 10, where does the time on this program go? Jackie's on line 3. Hi, Jackie. Hiya. Um, sorry, Mick. Mick. How's it going? <laughs> How are you? I'm good. You're finding it very hard this year with school stuff. Yeah, Mick. Um, I didn't get the back-to-school allowance because I had to reapply. So I'll be getting that this week or next week, hopefully. So You're going to get the double one or the single one? All of them. Uh, no, the, no, just the normal one. I got the, I got the extra 100 euro ones and um, just the normal one I'm waiting for. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Not going to go so a long way, of course. It's not, no. Um, the last two weeks I had to put swap food money, I bill money I had on getting my kids back to school, so I'm suffering. Sorry, say, say that again? Um, I had to put my the bill money and my food money for the last two weeks on getting my kids back to school, so I was very short on food and supply, everything for the house, my ESC, everything for the last two weeks. I've got on to Vincent Paul, Feed, Cork, everywhere. I'm still waiting to hear back from everyone. It's since Thursday. Okay, well... Um, my child has gone into school in a pair of runners from last year. I, I, I even rang shops to know if they could help me in any way, and that's desperate, like... Wow. And I've got no help from no one. That's why I'm, I actually... Email, I texted you since Thursday as well to see, because I'm getting nowhere with no one. I'm literally begging people down the phone to help me. And, of course, you prioritise getting the kids back to school. I, I don't care about myself, Mick. It's my kids, you know, it's... it's, it's very hurtful, like seeing them going into school from last year, do you know? Mm-hmm. And notwithstanding the fact that you don't have money for your bills or possibly for food, yeah. what, what? how does it look on the school stuff, on uniforms and that kind of thing? I'm sure, I'm just sure shoes and stuff there now from um, and their uniforms. I, got, I was able to buy their tracksuits and stuff out of what money I could. Um, I just need to get uniforms and food, like food mostly I need. Wow, and you've you've contacted the SVP, have you? Yeah, they can't help me unfortunately where I am, and um, I've contacted Feed Cork. I can't get through to Penny Dinner since Thursday. I'm after sending them five or six emails. She hasn't got back onto me. Um, I've I've rang around shops in my local area to see if they can help in any way, and no, no one can. 
Okay. Very hard, like. Joe from Joseph's Hair Salon on the Glashian Road will, will help you anyway, right? Uh, oh he, my God, thanks very much. We recently did a back-to-school drive with Joe and we publicise him every year. Uh, they give, yeah. free, you know, it's not going to feed them, but it's going to, he'll give you, you no, know, free free haircuts. Help. But Mick, I was just, it, it's only till Thursday. I'm back on my feet Thursday. That was, that's what I was telling Vincent to Paul and everything and no one could help me. Like, it's kids at the end of the day that are suffering, not me. Okay, Joe's been in touch. He, he, look, free haircuts are one thing, which you'll get anyway, but he'll provide oh, them brilliant. with school supplies. Uh, if they need any more stationery, any books or bags, right? And he yeah. said he can he can help you get vouchers for whatever you need to get the kids to school. Oh my god! That's, that's but fair. that's not that's not the food element. What you say is you're going to no. be okay if you Bob coming in on Thursday, is it? Yeah, I'm back to normal Thursday again, but that's why I'm so desperate for help for food because all my food money went on uniforms Thursday to get them back in the door to school for Monday. Okay. That's why I was so desperate trying to contact Penny Dinner since Thursday, and no one has even got onto me. Like. Okay. Joe's got a big heart. He's also going to get you done stores vouchers, okay? Whatever you need. Oh, my God. Thank you very much. Things happen very quickly when yeah. <laughs> when you're on That's the red it. of our airways sometimes, you know? That's why um, it's my only option left. I'm that desperate. Okay, listen, I've got to go for news, but I tell you what, we'll keep across the story during the remaining two hours of the programme. Yep. And we, we may bring you back on if there are any other developments That's or any perfect. generosity yep. comes to hand. All right? Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. Chin up. We'll be back to you. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Now, we spoke about a rocket uh, first out because it's... uh, uh, about an hour ago, of course, we spoke to David Moore of Astronomy Ireland, and uh, the rocket, of course, is the Artemis One that's heading off today. But uh, more rocketing prices is where we go to to begin this hour. SSE Electricity have announced huge price rises for its electricity and gas customers. To be fair, they didn't get involved in the recent round of hikes, but when they hit, uh, they hit hard over the weekend. Customers of SSE Electricity are set to face huge price hikes this winter as the company announced a hike of 45.2% in its electricity unit rate. I thought it was 37%, but 45.2% in the report here. In its electricity unit rate and a 46.3% in its gas unit rate alongside an 8% increase in its standing charges. And uh, the move is set to impact 250,000 electricity customers and 85,000 gas customers from the 1st of October. It will see an extra €600 euro added to the average customer's electricity bill and €500 Euros, uh, to the average gas bill. And taken together with the previous price increases announced by SSE Electricity, uh, their customers are going to be paying €1,000 more for their gas and 1100 more for their electricity on average each, uh, each year according to analysis from bonkers.ie. And we're going to try and talk to bonkers uh, a little later on. Uh, but uh, let's go to Ivaris. Uh, and I hope I got that name pronounced correctly. Correct me, please, if I didn't. Ivaris? Hey, how are you? Very good. Is that correct? It's correct, yeah. I will, yeah. Okay. I, Ivor, if for short, is it? Ivor, just for short, yeah. Ivor for short. Okay, Ivor. Uh, time to move to a different electricity company, you think? That's correct, yeah, unfortunately. I, I've been in years with SEC, like, and I was, Jesus, I was delighted with them. But unfortunately, now with the prices going up, now you have to move on. And I suppose it's not only me who's going to move on. You're going to move on. Huh? You can do that quite easily now online, can't you? 
Yeah, you can. You can, unfortunately. And But, you know, if you give them a ring, you might get a better offer. And if, so I have to just shop around there and see who's going to give the better offer for me now at the moment. Like, Yeah, uh, actually, I actually Googled, uh, you know, oil and electricity over the weekend. And I just put in cheapest oil in Cork and cheapest electricity in Cork. Uh, and you, you get sites like Switcher coming up. Uh, where you can quite easily compare what's out there. Uh, and you get the, the rundown of all of the Cork oil supply companies as well coming up. So you can make it. I, I think now is the time to be buying the, the home heating oil, if, if of course you can afford it. Uh, so you're with SSE at the moment, are you? I am, yeah. I am, yeah. And what's it looking like for the move? Like, at the moment, was, geez, I was really happy. Like, I probably about two months, I was paying for Like, and that was average. I was happy enough, like. And I was, I'd say, five years with them there. And any offer I was getting, nobody could match it, like. But mm. now, since they are, say is going up, there's uh, 37%. Like, that's, that's, Jesus, that's absolutely mental, like. Yeah. Looking across the water in the UK, of course, uh, some of the... Uh Oil and energy supply companies are being pilloried for the billions and billions they're making uh, in these straightened times. But you're going to change anyway. You don't know who you're going to change to yet, do you, Ivor? I don't know yet. Like, I just have to shop around there and just see who's going to be the best for me like, and who's going to be offering me the best. Like, because you just can't swap into the next one and in case they're going to spike up as well. Like, yeah. So I just have to see. Like, Well, our next interview may give you some direction on that. So stay listening, all right? No problem. Appreciate for that. Thanks a million. Dara Cassidy's on line two from Bonkers.ie. Hi, Dara. Hi, Mick. Okay, tell me about Bonkers.ie first. You compare all sorts of stuff, don't you? Yeah, we do. So we're a price comparison and switching site. We help people to compare prices across a range of products. So whether it's your gas or the electricity, your mortgage, your energy, um, your broadband, um, home insurance, car insurance. So if you're looking to switch and save, where what are the best places to go and do it? And obviously in a period of rising prices, which we're seeing now across all industries, not just energy, switching is really the quickest and easiest way to try and beat the rising prices and put some money back into your pockets. Yeah, I have a relation who religiously uh, puts a 12-month anniversary notice in, in all uh, of the supply, electricity, uh, you know, gas, uh, TV perhaps, broadband certainly. Uh, and if, if it's a 12-month contract, then uh, you get the power of being a new customer and being able to, be shop, around, to shop around. Is this your revenue model or are you independent, uh, just uh, depending on advertising, or are you taking a commission from the service? No, we get a small commission payment, but it doesn't really matter to us who you switch to because um, we have to show really all the deals that are out there. So we deal with all of the major suppliers. We have to anyway with energy because we're accredited by the CRU, which is the independent energy regulator. And then for broadband and TV, we show all the major suppliers. So we don't care who you go to. We just want to make sure that you go to someone and get that new customer discount because um, as you kind of allude to or, or implied there, Rightly or wrongly, it's usually new customers that get the best deals. And that's not to say that you can't try and negotiate a good deal with your existing customer or sorry, your existing supplier. But really, if you're looking for the best deals and the best money, switching is the, is the way to do it. And that includes in the energy industry in particular, where there are still some good discounts and deals available uh, for people who are prepared to switch, even though prices are rising. But certainly switching this year for uh, your gas and your electricity is absolutely mm-hmm. recommended to, take, to help take the sting out of those rising prices. Okay. 
Okay, well, I'd like to concentrate on gas and electricity for this interview, but can we give a quick minute or so uh, to those? Because there are a lot of people now about to switch banks with a couple of banks exiting the Irish market. A quick uh, minute, if you could, on mortgage switching advice or who's uh, the best deal or what, what should people do? Well, in terms of a mortgage, it is obviously one of the biggest bills for people that they're going to have. So we'd always encourage people to at least try and switch once during the term of the mortgage. And that's not to say that you can't switch even further. But it really, really does depend on someone's individual circumstances, whether you want to move to a fixed rate, a variable rate, whether you have a tracker. The best thing is to go on to a site like ours and Bonkers.ie, pull in your information and we'll show you all the rates that are there. Obviously, rates are going up. The ECB is due to hike rates again next week or shortly after, but maybe up to 0.75%. So for a lot of people, locking into a good value, longer term fixed rate uh, would be good. Ava Money, which is the Spanish-owned lender, has some good rates, although they've been creeping up. But it really just depends, Mick, on your individual circumstances. I couldn't just kind of say this is the best rate for people. It depends as well on how much equity you have in your home. Uh, but certainly if you're on, you know, a variable rate, let's say of around maybe 4%, and if you had maybe 200,000, 250,000 remaining on your mortgage and you switched to one of the lowest rates, you could save well over 200 euro a month. So that's 200 euro tax-free cash back into your pockets, which would absolutely help with rising prices and the cost of living. Yeah, that'll help with everything else, of course. And quickly, before we go into the energy side, uh, any tips for saving on uh, household expenses like food, for instance? Yeah, well, for me, so food is obviously a big one. The main things with food is to look at, see if you can switch to non-branded goods. So in Ireland, when research is done on this, Irish people spend way more on branded goods than we do compared to our British, our French and our German counterparts. And now there's obviously some goods that people will absolutely not switch. Some people love the Avonmore milk or the the Brennan's bread, but I would advise people to just check in your trolley or in your shopping basket the next time you go into the supermarket and just see if there's anything in there that you could maybe trade down. And just be mindful as well, I'd always say special offers. And um, Sometimes those special offers, maybe they're not quite as good value as people think. So try, if you can, just get to know what the normal prices are because sometimes those stickers that you see on... On, on shelves aren't actually really such good value. Myself personally, I've been shopping and I've seen a lot of prices actually go up and then they have stickers put on them to make it look or imply that the prices are going down. Um, and it sounds like such, such common advice, but people need to realise as well that everything that supermarkets do, the way they're laid out, the way they're designed, is to try and get you to spend a little bit more time in the supermarket and to get you to spend more money in the supermarket as well. So making a list and just sticking to it and going around the supermarkets that you don't overspend. Again, I know that sounds like such common advice, but it's just something that people need to try and do because um, as I said, people just do not realise how cunning some of the supermarkets can be to try and get us to spend more. I mean, that's one of the reasons why all the things that we need make are in far-flung corners of the supermarkets. It's to get us to go all around and pick up as many things as we can. Yeah, I never thought of that, actually. Uh, you know, you, you see the deals at the end of straight aisles uh, mm-hmm. and, and it isn't, of course, as simple as never shop on, a, on, on an empty stomach. Uh, but, you, you know, the, the one thing you'll see, especially on the roadside uh, service areas or plazas, uh, is you'll see an almost airport security-like winding of the queue through sweets and crisps and all yeah. sorts of goodies. Yeah, no, no, it's true. And another thing as well is that like, supermarkets will usually put their most profitable products on the middle shelf, so the ones that are in the line of sight that they want you to pick up. So don't be afraid to look up, look down, look left, look right, look all around you for some of the best deals. 
and um, and you know to just be mindful of course of um, just some of those special offers and just some of those vouchers as well just be mindful of those you know some of the supermarkets have them uh, some people think they're getting great value but it can be a very very easy way for people to actually overspend people start filling the trolley to meet the 50 euros that they can get the voucher off but then they end up maybe throwing out some of the food because they didn't really need it so um, again I keep saying it it sounds like simple advice but just Buying what you need, making a list, being a little bit more regimental is, is, is a good way to start. Yeah, and imagine if supermarket A is up against supermarket B as you see comparisons on the uh, TV advertising at the moment. I imagine that the, the percentage saving is the target and then they're putting in, you know, suitable items that would sort of constitute a weekly shop, but maybe not adhere to one. There, you know, there must be some price differences there that add to the savings or the assumed savings, so supermarket A and supermarket B, uh, we all know who's fighting for pricing, and we all know uh, who, who they're up against and who they compare against. Uh, but that sort of can be a little orchestrated as well, can it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And also with the, you know, the, the, the vouchers, um, they seem like great value, but sometimes when you actually look at the prices of the goods and services, they're actually a little bit higher. So you think you're getting an extra 10 euros worth of shopping for free, but actually every item that you put into your basket has costed you a little bit more. Um, so as I keep saying, the supermarkets are relatively profitable, not that they're making obscene profits. Uh, but they're profitable. They make money, and there's a reason why they make so much money. So people just need to be uh, people just need to be careful. And of course, just get to know as well your green grocer, your local pharmacist, your butcher. I think sometimes there's a feeling that people uh, think supermarkets are always going to be the cheapest, which isn't necessarily the case. They're often the most convenient, and it is convenient to just be able to go into one supermarket without having to traipse around the shops. But if you live in a village. And I'm living in Leary in Dublin, for example, and I have a supermarket, but if I just take one step outside the supermarket, I have, you know, green grocers, I have um, butchers, I have pharmacists uh, within a walking distance. And quite often they'll be cheaper, actually, than the supermarkets and the quality of the goods and the services will actually be slightly better. So don't forget about that. And of course, you'll be supporting your local stores as well. Okay. Now let's get to the main topic of today, of course. SSE Electricity is pushing up electricity prices by more than 35% and its gas costs by 39%. My report said 45.2% in electricity and 46.3% in gas. And I want to correct that if it's unfair. Well, what's the exact prices? Is there, am I looking at a plus or including that price or something? You know, so the actual unit rate is going up by just over 45% for gas and electricity. So if you turn on the lighting, if you turn on the heating, if you turn on the computer, it's going to cost you over 45% more because the standing charge is only going up, if you could say it, by that much, uh, by 8%. And because of that isn't changing and the carbon tax isn't changing, which also make up an average bill. Um, SSE went out and they said that the average bill is going to go up by around maybe 38, 39%. So that's the discrepancy in the figures. But to keep things, I suppose, easier to compare from one supplier to another, if you just actually look at the unit rate, so the actual charge, um, that's going up by just over 45%. Okay, this news, of course, is very disappointing for all customers. It was hoped market volatility would ease. Uh, And, you know, we have the pandemic being blamed for everything. Now it's the Ukrainian war. But the global energy crisis continues to impact gas and electricity costs for all suppliers. Now, not that we have much pity for them, but I think we need to encourage customers having any difficulty with their bills to at least shop around. 
No, absolutely. The only thing, I mean, shopping around can absolutely save. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to completely negate the increase that we've seen over the past 18 months or so. The prices have risen on average by around maybe 1,500, 1,600 euro, which is not an insignificant amount of money. And there's absolutely a guarantee almost that prices will continue to increase. We're probably looking at prices increasing by about another 20, 30% at least over the next few weeks. But by shopping around and by switching, you can still take the sting out of some of those increases. So if you were to switch at the moment, maybe you could get a discount for a year of maybe 30 to 40%, which would save the average person maybe eight to 900 euros. So it's not going to fully negate the price increases, as I've said, but it'll absolutely help take the, the, the sting out of some of them. Um, and then another piece of advice is that some of the suppliers now, they've set up hardship funds as well for people who are struggling. So if you are struggling to pay your bill, I would say to listeners, do check in with your supplier and to see if there's any support that they can give you. And of course, check to see if there's any support that you can get from the government in terms of social welfare payments that you might be entitled to. Yeah, my last change was to SSE or Tricity. I think I availed of a 26% um, across the 12 months contract uh, mm-hmm. reduction. That's that's probably gone now, of course, and it's time to change again or look around again. So, you know, you, you need to factor in these percentage discounts when you're looking at the various suppliers. Does your website do that for people? Yeah, we do. So anytime a price increase has been announced, has been publicly announced because they're supposed to give us by law 30 days notice, that will be factored into the results that people see on a pro rata basis. But we do everything. So if you pull in your you know, the name of the plan that you're on or you can pull in the exact unit rate that we're paying, we'll calculate everything. So we'll calculate the VAT, the standing charge, the unit rate, and we'll give you a estimate as to what your bill will be and to how much you could save. So it really is quick and easy. And um, with the way the energy market works, um, it's super, super quick and easy to switch supplier. It can all be done online. It's not like switching your mortgage where there'd be a little bit more of an effort involved and you'd need to get a solicitor involved. Switching your energy bill is really, you know, I say the simplest of bills that you can switch, which is absolutely great. Okay, now I said in my intro that uh, SSE Electricity seemed to have not been taking the chance to increase prices uh, along with the other ones, but I think I was wrong. Uh, apparently, it, this is the fifth price increase announced by SSE Electricity since 2021, with the average bill in Ireland now double what it was in 2020. Yeah, so they increased prices in May only, and then before that, in 2021, they increased prices three times. It's their fifth price increase. They're no better or worse, really, than any of the suppliers because they're all being affected by the same increase in the price of gas. Um, The average bill now is coming up to maybe €4,000 a year for people's gas and electricity combined, um, which, as you said, has pretty much doubled. And it's a huge amount of money. I mean, that's an extra you know, two grand almost that people need to find. Um, and if you look at the UK where they're expecting bills to go up to maybe 6 times in euro in January, that's probably a good idea of what we could be facing because 70% of our gas comes via the UK. Now, our market is a little bit different. All the gas and electricity markets are slightly different. But if you look at what they're projecting in the UK, I think that's a good... Uh, I suppose forecast for us to look at as well. So it's pretty bleak, and it's going to be a a, a long and expensive winter. And we really need to hope that it's going to be a mild one. Okay, um, Derek Cassidy from Bonkers.ie. Are, are we expecting 
another government subvention here, that couple of hundred euros that they gave earlier in the year? And if so, how will that work? I think we are. It'll probably be announced in the budget at the end of September. The last subvention or the last credit was €200. I think it'll have to be bigger than this. Um, although the government has been quite mum about it, but I do think it's going to have to be paid because we're actually getting to the stage now where it's not just people on social welfare who are struggling, and um, it's people who are working, who are working hard that are struggling as well. So I think that's going to have to be paid. And I think the government's going to have to commit to keeping the 9% rate of VAT and gas and electricity. It's due to go back up to 13.5% at the end of October. It was reduced for a few months temporarily. Um, I'd like to see it go down maybe even further. I think in an energy crisis when prices are so high, when they're continuing to increase. I don't think the government should be taking any extra money from consumers. I mean, we don't place a rate of VAT on food, on most food, because we realise it's an important good and we need it. And I think at this stage, VAT um, on gas and electricity should be, you know, should be treated the same as food, to be honest. And there probably needs to be some more social welfare measures as well. And then maybe even you know, next year, we'll need to look at another subvention again. So the government has some difficult choices that it needs to make. Yeah, okay. So the advice for people really is to check out switching sites like your own. I know Switcher is there and I know they're probably your competitors, but your bonkers.ie, it's an easy system to use, you reckon, but get your information, get your ducks in a row, get your, do you need your UAN, your unique account number or your actual account number or what? Yeah, no, so what you need is your MPRN for your electricity or your GPRN for your uh, gas account. Both of those can be found on a recent bill. And um, once you have both of those pieces of information, you can go online. It helps if you have a recent meter reading. And then you can go online. It's all quick and easy to switch. Okay. And this increase in standing charges, which seems to be the sting in the tail, really. I mean, isn't that a little underhand? All the equipment is there already. It is a little bit, and it seems a little bit disappointing that some of the charges have gone up. Um, at the moment now, they've gone up so much that really the annual standing charge for electricity is around maybe €300 Euro or more. For gas, it's around maybe €200 Euro or more. So that means that before people have even you know, turned on one light or done anything, they're looking at maybe a payment of over 500 euro a year so you're right it seems a little bit disappointing and i wouldn't really be happy with some of the answers that the suppliers have given for raising the standing charge but because gas has gone up so much it's gone up by about maybe a thousand percent well if they didn't increase the standing charge they probably just would have hit us uh, you know with a bigger unit rate so Mm. it's kind of, you know, no matter what way you look at it, people are going to lose. But I think what some people might say and what is unfair is that for people who really do cut back and who try to save money and be more economical with their energy usage, that's becoming more and more difficult because these standing charges are going up. And as I said, now before you've even, you know, turned on the heating once we've fixed on a light switch, the standing charge for your gas and electricity bill is is approaching over 500 euro a year. So it's a big hit to people. Yeah. What what about uh, appliances like switching off your TV when you go to bed? You can switch off your microwave, obviously not your fridge. But what about Mm -hmm. things like cookers being left on standby? They're not often easy to switch off because they've clocks and things, digital clocks. Yeah, I'd certainly recommend if you're going away for a few days to switch off as many appliances as possible and certainly um, at night time to flick off electrical appliances. Now, this so-called 
standby electricity use or vampire electricity use, as it's sometimes called, isn't as bad as it used to be. And certainly with newer newer devices, they don't use as much electricity in standby mode, but they still do use a little bit of electricity. So I would say to people, do unplug appliances as much as you can. Um, you know, when you're leaving the room, um, turn off lights. Don't keep the immersion on 24-7. Sometimes people think that's a way to save money rather than having it on and off. Look at pulling in LED light bulbs, tackle drafts. There are little things that people can do around the home to use mm. less electricity and to save a little bit of money. Now, I know some listeners will probably be already doing those things and there's no one big huge thing that people can do that's going to save them hundreds but it's just doing little things again and again that can just bring down the cost a little bit and I'd advise people to go on to the SEAI website which is the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland they have some nice little tips for people to use and of course we do as well on bonkers.ie um, and, and as I said a lot of these things people would have heard before and some people kind of roll their eyes when you suggest little ways to use less electricity but this really is the year that people need to double down and just try and do their best. All right, quick listener question, uh, Derek. Uh, can you ask if it's uh, easy to switch from pay as you go to bill pay? Uh, it, it, it usually is, but sometimes if you're switching, particularly with gas, there can be a charge of maybe 200 euro, unfortunately, when you're changing wow. the meter. So that's the, only, that's the only issue there, yeah. Okay, oh, you're talking about gas and electricity meters, is you? Yes, yeah. So, so there's a charge usually if you're moving if, uh, for, for the meter. So, but, but you can still switch. There's no real extra process involved. It's just the removal of the meter. Is, yeah, and you, you is probably save the, you probably save that charge in more in the long run, but you may have to pay it up front. Yeah, no, you would. And I would say to people that prepay gas and electricity does tend to lean on the more expensive side because the unit rate is higher. And then on top of that, you're paying uh, your normal daily standing charge for the normal meter and then also the daily standing charge for the prepay meter. Now, people sometimes like the, I suppose you could call it the benefits of not getting a bill in the post and not getting bill shock. And they feel that maybe they can control their bills better by being able to top up. But they need to realise that it is usually a more expensive way to get your gas and electricity. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, from Bonkers, Dad.ie, Dara Cassidy. Uh, and we'll come back to it in a moment. Some texts that are coming in there on Jackie's phone call. Uh, people offering to give her 100 euros uh, for the kids' shoes uh, and more. Uh, people offering to buy food. And we will uh, give a little wrap-up on that before the end of the programme. Uh, Amy is on line one. Amy, thanks for holding. I must take a quick break and I'll be right back to you. Thank you. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Coming up on 26 minutes to 11, the Neil Prenderville Show with Mick Mulcahy. Amy, thanks for holding. No problem. How are you doing? Very good. Now, you've got good information, I'm told, about switching providers and getting the best from them, which everybody kind of needs to do right now. Yeah, like, it's it's definitely worth um, switching uh, around at the minute. Um, like, I switched my mortgage uh, to get a mortgage for the first time three and a half years ago and went into a three-year fixed-term contract um, and I switched. So I went from a 2.95% um, down to a 1.95%. Um, what that essentially means is 18% uh, savings on my mortgage. So not, a, um, not 18% on the payment, but 18% on the interest, is it? 18% on, on my, my monthly payment. On the monthly payment, wow. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, so. pe- people, you know, people will often balk at the complexity of changing a mortgage and having to fill out, you know, SFS, the standard financial statements and that kind of thing. So in your particular case, how long did that take and how easy was it? 
Um, it was very, very easy. Like the, the most annoying part is just trying to gather up the few bits of information you need. Your employer needs to fill out a form. You need to get a couple of pay slips. It's literally just gathering that. You know, it's slightly time-consuming. You know, out of an ordinary busy day. Um, but it's not. It's not that difficult to do it at all. Um, I personally done it through ICS mortgages. They were great, start to finish. Um, they they don't charge you anything. There, there's no there's no fee for them. They they obviously get their, their commission out of switching it. Uh, the only expense I had with them was uh, paying my solicitor fifteen hundred euro. Um, but obviously the savings I worked out. Um, that's essentially it'll be three years before I do see savings based on having to pay that extra. Um, but, and that fifteen hundred uh, yeah, euros is probably for the conveyancing to the new provider, is it? Exactly, yes, for the, the solicitor just to do up his paperwork, move it from one bank to the other, sign off that once the funds are, are going to come in that he's going to pay them um, and, and that sort of thing. But um, definitely, as I say, it, it's worth doing, um, especially like people. Uh, so anyone that's on a tracker mortgage, don't ever leave where you are. You're not, they're, they're not paying, you know, any interest. They're, they're just paying back what they owe without interest. Um, that's my understanding of the tracker mortgages. Well, um, yeah, they, they weren't paying much interest when the rates were low, but the ECB has already put up rates by half a percent and they're expecting another half or 0.75 a percent. God help if it's one percent. Uh, this yeah. uh, this coming month, September. Yeah, as far as I know, they that doesn't affect the the tracker mortgages. They're they're just a, a league of their own, um, where they're they're not uh, because the, the when the banks messed up, um, they they didn't pay any uh, interest. That they got, all got moved to tracker mortgages. Um, I, my understanding is when I used to be um, dealing with financial services and, and referring people on to my colleague that done mortgages, um, he advised, you know, if anyone has a track of mortgage, tell them never move where they are, never bothered looking to take them because it'll end up actually costing them more to move. Um, but with the likes of your electricity and stuff, it's definitely worth switching around as well. What a lot of people don't understand is um, each of the, the companies all have customer charters. They're not easy to find on the company's website, so the likes of your board, gosh, SSE, electricity. But if you do Google the name of the company, so Electric Ireland, followed by Customer Charter, um, it comes up and um, basically if they mess up any which way, um, they should be crediting you 40 euro. A lot of people don't understand when they've messed up a bill um, that at that point this company should be crediting them 40 euro or 30 euro depending on their customer charter. So it's a case you do have to ask for it or if it's a case that anybody in the past, you know, two years with their company has had an issue, call up the company. If they didn't get their, their 40 euro credited their account, ask why they didn't. And, you know, that was a breach of their customer charter. So the money should be credited once the, the people call them. Um, and you, the, the last person that was on there from Bonkers mentioned, you know, about so if you're going away for a while, um, you know, turn off your, your stuff. I personally turn off my uh, items at home religiously. Um, like there, there's nothing left on that isn't in use. Um, you know, the fridge and the, the freezer are the only two things that are on 24-7. Um, but I definitely um, see, you know, my my electricity bills wouldn't be anything for me to complain about. Yes, okay. Now, you've challenged some providers on issues. You've gotten credit in return, as you mentioned. There's a yes. bit of a list here. So you're kind of the switcher queen or the challenger queen, aren't you? Um, yeah, the yeah. breach of and regulations, in, 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 from what I believe in your case, from providers, is they kind of expect you to hear about their increases on social media or the news. Uh, but they must, as to be fair, SSE Tricity did, uh, SSE Tricity did with me over the weekend, communicate by email that they were 
seriously hiking their charges. But if they don't do that, uh, if they expect you to hear it on social media and you didn't get direct communication, they're technically in breach of contract, aren't they? Um, they're definitely like there's parts there saying you know that like um, on on their customer charter um, there's there's stuff like again between different companies um, where you know that they need to have a details billing information. Um, so what what came up for me with uh, Electric Ireland, they increased my bill. I didn't hear anything about it. There was nothing coming up in my newsfeed. I certainly don't listen to the the news, and I didn't see anything on on Facebook. Um, but they said, oh, well, they done their part by, by telling people. Then on my bill, it stated um, you will see a P where there's a price increase and a CR where there's credit. I could see the CR from the, the government payment that came in, um, but I, I didn't see a P besides the price increase. So it wasn't fair and transparent billing. So I called them over that and I ended up getting uh, credited um, by the amount because they failed to abide by their commitments and on their customer charter it states that they, they will pay you €40. Euro. Um, and when they also issue you with your policy documentation, they don't actually issue you your terms and conditions. They issue you with a link um, to go fetch your terms and conditions yourself. But there's nothing to say that that link's going to open on your phone, you know. Um, yeah. So they should be supplying you with your terms and conditions and, again, not a link to it. So there's, uh, there, there would be a breach of regulation there. You know, if you challenged it enough, you'd, you'd get it. Um, then with, like, uh, internet mobile providers, you're supposed to have a, a minimum speed in your property. I'm quite rural, so mine does drop low. Um, I've recently taken out uh, broadband because I've started working remotely. Um, I've taken out broadband with one company and uh, the speeds do drop lower than what they are. Um, they also uh, sold me a package that was unlimited but wasn't unlimited, had a cap. I went over it. They, a fair they usage policy, me. was it? Yes, yeah. They, uh, they didn't advise me there was a fair usage policy and they upgraded me to a, a completely unlimited uh, package then uh, by an extra charge per month and didn't advise me that I was going into a new contract, uh, didn't advise me that I now have a cooling off period. So with that, I, I could see the person making the mistakes on the call. I called back two days later, I said, look, you didn't follow all of this, um, and now I've been credited, uh, my account will be credited for the next six months. Wow, okay. Don't cross Amy if you're a provider. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's definitely worth you know um, shopping around for, for your bills, kind of moving where you are. Um, you know, SSH electricity, personally, I would avoid them like the plague because, as you say, you know, the, their bills are going up and they're going up astronomically. Um, there is no fundamental reason for, for their increases. You know, the, the world, the economy, the cost of it isn't increasing that much. So mm. it's definitely a price touting. Yeah, um, we, we were over 20 years with the same insurance provider. Uh, and after an interview here uh, on on the radio, I just tried a broker, and it was McCarthy's and and Paul Cavanagh, who is a great contributor to this program. And I just couldn't believe that the original provider would not compete. They expect you just to pay more and more each year. You can beat them down on certain things, um, but the savings were incredible. And and people do really have to, uh, you know, we're living in difficult and hardened times. People do have to make the savings. And as uh, Dara said from Bonkers.ie, these savings go to your bottom line for your household budget. They're tax-free savings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is, is worthwhile. Like everything, any any bill you're paying, if you can shop around, shop around. That's your, your home insurance, your car insurance, your van insurance, your health insurance, your life insurance. 
um, it's, it's definitely worth moving around. A lot of people will take out their life insurance and, and they'll stick with it, you know, for X amount of odd years. Now, if anybody is, you know, older with medical conditions and they're on, um, uh, they're on certain plans, you'd be advising them to stay where they are. Um, because uh, you can pay an additional amount where, you know, you, you don't get uh, medically reviewed in 30 years' time if, if your uh, life insurance runs out and you want to take out another policy. Um, but definitely is, is worth shopping around. Um, I took out life insurance three and a half years ago. Um, I moved life insurance provider uh, a year ago, you know. So um, a lot of people don't just kind of, tight where they are again with your mortgages is a big one uh, there is massive savings to be made in, in mortgage structures at the moment yeah d- despite it being a, you know it's a bit of an arduous process and there is a cost uh, involved in that just got a note from uh, panda recycling panda recycling has confirmed it's to impose double digit increases for its residential customers its bin lift prices are to rise by 12 percent 12 percent from september 5th while it's also hiking at service charges. And according to the Irish Independent, the firm is blaming the increased cost of diesel fueling its trucks. Like, I think what a lot of people do, should be doing, to be honest, is like um, bin companies. So like, I, I'm here with, with my child and, you know, my dad is, is at home as well um, in his own place. Like, we don't have a bin each. We, we have a bin between the two houses. So like, once a week, I'll drop down all my rubbish to my dad and, you know, we we basically split the cost of the bill like anyone that's in housing estates like if if you're you're paying a set charge for your bill or you know you're you're paying 260 euro every six months you know and your neighbor is half a bill and you have half a bill get rid of one of the bins and, and share them between you very clever did you ever think of opening up your own consultancy amy <laughs> i think i should at this stage yeah you certainly um, seem to have the experience anyway yeah, yeah, I just don't like paying for stuff to be honest. Did you get a, you got a reduction and um, a credit from Vodafone as well, did you? Yeah, yeah. So that's um, a ten euro reduction a month uh, for six months um, with uh, three Ireland. Then I have a ten euro reduction for the next twelve months. Wow, you're certainly a warrior in this area, and of course, you're going to be the exception to the rule. A lot of people find it too much hassle or don't want to go through the you know. The process of, of of saving money, but there is money to be saved and made here. Yeah, I mean, if you have to spend half an hour on the phone or an hour on the phone to your your company, that that's that's forty euro. I mean, are, are you getting paid forty euro per hour from your employer? Like a lot of people aren't. Um, so you you've literally just made forty euro on that that one yeah. hour call. You know, by having your your account credited. Yeah, I had an issue in the last twelve months with an air bill. It was fifty seven euro, and I paid it uh, paid it online, but the uh, the bill never zeroed if you like and uh, mm-hmm. I went on customer service and by the time I lost the will to live uh, you know you're talking over an hour or whatever I said you know something I could be here for two days and I'll never get that time back again I just paid it again oh god yeah like, I, I'm challenging Ryanair at the minute I, I, I was um, I was one of those people affected by flight cancellations I was left stranded in a, an airport in, in the UK um, in June and or sorry, early early July, um, and they basically they didn't uphold anything. They didn't, you know, uh, offer you calls. They didn't offer you uh, food. They didn't offer you accommodation. It was half a ten at night. Flight came up cancelled. Nobody there to meet you. Um, you have uh, I think there was like ten different flights cancelled in in this airport at night, and I had to fork out and get a taxi to another airport. Um, as you, the the airport was like an hour and a half away, so as you can imagine, the taxi bill was significant. 
um, and then also have to pay uh, to buy another flight back. So uh, mid uh, at the start, I got a price X. Um, by the time I got to the, the checkout um, online, it said your price has gone up. It's no longer valid. So I had to redo it all very quickly again. Price has gone up significantly. So I'm obviously challenging Ryanair at the minute to get um, that refunded. They're, they're not that helpful, but there's actually flightrights.ie. So anyone that's had a flight cancelled, um, you know, uh, at all um, within, uh, there, there's information on it there anyway to look it up. If your flight is cancelled within a certain amount of time. Mm. Well, um, Amy, can, can I just kind of imagine that dealing with consumer rights experts like yourself is and satisfying them and refunding them and giving them benefits and giving them discounts and rebates is uh, the cost of doing business for, for these people. They'll happily, not happily, uh, but they will happily pay you rather than pay out everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, like, I mean, the, the rights are there. It's just a lot of people don't look like I stumbled across um, Electric Ireland's customer charter. As I say, it's not easily um, findable on their website whatsoever. Um you have to go uh, let Garlands into their docs into COP, which you're you're not going to look at that and say what is that, um, and you know you find it in there. But anyone, look up your customer charter, look up your your internet, see what speeds you're supposed to be getting on, on what plan you're on. Um, there is minimum amounts there, and if you're not getting any of that, I would certainly be be challenging it and, and looking for um, credit to the the account. Well, Amy, go with the consultancy, will you? <laughs> I um. No, I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. But uh, I, like I, this isn't this isn't my my area of um, you know line of work or anything. It's just you know I, I'm not going to pay for something that isn't isn't a value or something that that isn't working correctly. Yeah, or, or you know if it doesn't do what it says on the tin, as as the old yeah. saying goes, then you will be a happily fight it. And is there a big air punch? Is there a big yes high five when you when you actually win? Oh yeah, completely. Like I have to put my phone on mute so they don't hear me cheering on the other end. <laughs> Amy, thanks a million. Uh, some great experience there. You are the queen of switchers and for combating uh, those companies that don't offer you what you're paying for and getting your rebates. So well done. Thank you. Thanks a million. I know Noreen has been holding for quite a while and I'll come back to her right after these. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Noreen, good morning and thank you for holding for so long. How are you? Hello, good morning. I'm doing good, thank you. Okay, greedy fools are only using the Ukraine-Russia war, uh, it's not actually a war, as an excuse. You're sick of it? Exactly. Yeah, I am sick to that of it. All the prices going high. The only bill that I'm really worried about is the electric bill because it's really so high. And uh, I was talking to Seamus earlier, and he's like in Kuwait, in Iraq, in the early 90s, I lived in uh, Florida and USA, and mm. the war was on then, and there was no, they even set fire to the oil fields and all that. We didn't have that. Uh, impact much impact on our economy over there. Yeah, just just to, sorry, Noreen, just to correct myself there before uh, I we get loads of text about it not being a war. What I meant is that Vladimir Putin will not declare it a war. It's a military operation uh, from what he's uh, seeing and doing, um, yes. and and he will never declare it a war because it's it's a real ramp up. Of course, it's a war for those who are fighting to save their country and uh, their families. But you were in Florida when the Gulf War took place in Kuwait, and it didn't... Yes. It wasn't and used it as an really excuse to hike prices. No, it was not. And they set fire to the oil fields, but there was still enough oil and everything to go around everywhere, like in the world. So it didn't have that much effect on anything. If anything, the oil might have gone up a bit, but not much. Yeah, so... But, um, 
are, are, are is using the pandemic as a, you know a, a two year excuse for everything, uh, and then subsequently the uh, the conflict in Ukraine and Russia as an excuse. Uh, you know, it goes beyond though. There's kind of a global sensitivity on prices at the moment. A lot of it can be tracked back to uh, to Russia and and they're, they're shutting off technically the the European gas supply. Uh, but there is fuel concerns globally at this time. Yeah, because we get most of our oil, we get it from Norway. We don't even get it from Russia. We get our oil from Norway. Yeah, I saw a large, a large I, tanker coming into Whitegate Oil Refinery about two weeks ago. Uh, and it was very, very high on the water, so it was empty. Uh, so we must be exporting oil as well, which is kind of a, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? There's, that's why, I, like, people, especially the old... That's why I worry about the old and um, the homeless and all that. It's going to affect them. And it's going to have a devastating impact on our economy as such because prices, if the electric goes up, you know, everything else will go up. And it's going to have, consequently, all this effect for people, especially the old and people on social welfare because they can't um, afford to pay, you know, X amount on electric. It's going sky high every month. It's higher and higher. And I don't know, it's just going to have a devastating effect on the economy because people won't be able to spend then mm. because it'd be all going on the bills. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, e- e- each up. successive interview we do here, and I don't mean to do it in any negative way, but it's kind of painting a very gloomy picture of Ireland as a place to live in. It has so many benefits. Uh, and, you know, people return to Ireland as a place to educate their children. Uh, but from yeah, all angles, from all angles, there's pressure on every system that you can imagine. There's pressure on passports, there's pressure on the health system, there's pressure on the guards, there's pressure on energy, there's pressure on employment uh, in certain areas. It, it, it really does make you wonder where we're going with all of this. People will be leaving this country in droves because they can't afford to reside here in their own bricks and mortar. Uh, yes, we had Pat, Pat Murphy from, from the Southwest Fisheries, one of the most powerful interviews I've, I've ever uh, conducted because of his input, to be honest saying that we're becoming an island nation that very soon won't be able to catch its own fish. But I'm, I'm just kind of going off the tangent here. I was out with uh, some friends from Cork Builders Providers on a, on a kind of a harbour cruise on Friday and we were on the Collinor and the captain of the Collinor is a retired fisherman and he showed me live on Shipfinder. He said, there is a Belgian trawler. It's a beam trawler. It's uh, sucking up fish off the Irish coast. It's coming in here to Cork. It's loading them all onto a Belgian truck and the Belgian truck goes to Belgium. Meanwhile, Pat Murphy... Oh, by the way, this trawler was built for that purpose in 2022. Uh, meanwhile, Pat Murphy is saying, we're becoming uh, an island nation that soon won't be able to catch its own fish. This is getting really, really serious. Yes, it is. I agree with you. And they'll be like, they won't be trying to get basic essentials like food and clothes for people. And we, we like the people here, it's, only all, it's happening all over the world, though. It's not just Ireland. You've got other countries... And prices are going up there. As you know, England, they're always going on about their prices because well, I was watching Sky News there as well. And prices are going up everywhere. And it seems to have a global effect for some reason. This small little country, uh, uh, Ukraine and Russia, having an effect, which it shouldn't have. Because mm. like the Gulf War, it didn't have an effect. And that was way bigger. Well, we have... Uh, and I only live... We, we've, we have a budget coming in four weeks' time, so everything's going to be grand, isn't it? Uh, we hope so, but... <laughs> You see, this is what happens every time we get a budget. We get an increase, but as soon as we get an increase in social welfare, then they put everything else up again more. So we're not getting an increase as such. 
Yeah, there's a there's a taxi price rise coming as well at 12%, but then the taxi people, a very, very over-regular, heavily regulated industry, have to pay their own costs in getting their meters done and all that's another topic. Uh, but anyway, Noreen, thank, and the bins. Thank you for your input. This is only the start of it. It's not even September yet. Thank, oh, thanks a million for your input, Noreen. Okay, thank you very much. Cheers, bye-bye. bye-bye. Now, all this week on the Neil Prendeville Show, we have family passes to give away to some of Cork's top attractions. And to begin with the chance of grabbing a family pass, we need you to tell us your funny or embarrassing first day at school story, it being school going back time. Tell us your funny or embarrassing first day at school story. Did your mum or dad embarrass you maybe in front of your classmates? Did they hang around too long? Were you crying when they left? You didn't want them to go? Did you refuse to leave the house in an anti-school protest? Uh, how lovely it looks nostalgically, doesn't it, in retrospect. So uh, you can call us on 0818104106 or text 0868104106. Uh, some texts in this morning. Uh, so they went to the moon back in 1969. They stood on the moon. They drove a buggy on the moon. But with all the technology advances, they're sending dummies to the moon to see if it's safe for humans. Time to join the dots here, says Stephen. I make it's interesting the first woman would set foot on the moon at a time when we can't define what a woman is. For argument's sake, let's say Buzz Aldrin came out as a trans. He would be regarded as, would he be regarded as the first woman on the moon 53 years after the fact? They'd really throw a spanner in NASA's old box-ticking exercise there, wouldn't it? says Richie and Toker. And the 1969 moon landing was a race between the US and the Soviets. At the time, the Soviets were way ahead with the first human to orbit the Earth, Yuri Gagarin, and the world's first satellite in 1957, Sputnik. So maybe it was all staged. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show Now just a little housekeeping before we move on uh, just in case we don't have time uh, to close out this story and go back to Jackie's situation we were inundated with texts and calls from the wonderful people of Cork about helping Jackie out Uh, one slightly critical one which we'll get to first before the positive stuff Hi Mick, just on Jackie's phone call I'm a single mother of three kids uh, I've my three ready for back to school tomorrow. I have one in secondary and two in primary school. Duns has uniforms in from the start of June. Common sports put shoes, sacks and jackets on deposit to pay off every week. I genuinely don't think there's any excuse. A pack of two shirts in Duns are seven euro. Pants are between seven and 14 euro. Am I the only one to think that maybe she should have started getting ready for school a few weeks ago? But the good news is uh, we have texts along the line of what size is that gir- uh, girl's son's shoes? I'd be happy to buy them. We have a hundred euro offer from an anonymous listener for the lady who's under pressure to go back to school and absolutely inundated with others. Joe from Joseph's Hair Salon, whom we mentioned in the interview, uh, has provided her with 200 euro worth of vouchers. Uh, Brandon wants to buy her family a week shopping. Anne wants to help her out with the groceries. Bernadette will buy shoes for the kids. She's been in the same situation herself, uh, but has built herself back up now and knows what Jackie is going through. Adrian will provide 200 euro cash to help. Thank you, Adrian. Paul from the Cork Homeless Group will provide a food hamper within the hour. Uh, yes, Paul, you correctly recognise that she is in immediate need of food. Uh, you know, whatever the criticism or that she could have been saving a little and, uh, and and had enough left for food for this week, she said, and quite honestly said, she's going to be okay with whatever money is coming into the house by next Thursday. And there are many, many more. So thank you, people of Cork, for your big-hearted kindness once again. We have passed all the information and all of the contact details on to Jackie. Now let's go to a veritable online superstar, Porrick Howie. 
who has, at the very tender age of 68, decided to become a vegan, but didn't think he was going to become an internet sensation. Good morning to you, Podrick. Is it Podrick or Podrick? Podrick? Podrick or Podrick, it doesn't matter. Right? Okay. I, I, I've, I've been called much more, more things than that. I know. Okay. Now, you decided to become a vegan uh, on Instagram at the age of 68. You took on a vegan to help with weight loss and a new healthy lifestyle. Um, and my little intro to you here says, like yourself, Mick, he's a lifelong spoofer doing many a prank. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be as good as you, though. <laughs> okay. Tell, tell I, me all I, about I, it. I, so I, up, to 68, uh, up to 68, what were you doing? I, 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 I'm a welder by trade. And that's, okay. that's my job. I had my own, my own business like, you know, for the last three years. Okay. And I was suffering. I was suffering with chronic pain, and I I couldn't figure out who was on me. So that's that's how it all started. So we went to a holistic woman, and she said, "Give up dairy for three weeks." And my daughter, she rang. Actually, I couldn't go to her actually because it's during lockdown. She she did it from her sample, and she said, "Give up dairy for three weeks and see how you feel." And uh, and I said, "What's wrong with me?" She said, "Your nerve system on the left side, of your body is not working properly." So I was sitting. She did all this from a follicle test. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Unbelievable. You know, and uh, I was sitting at the kitchen table with my wife and my young daughter, Tara, and uh, she, Tara said to me, will you do that? And I said, I will if you help me. And she says, would you go vegan? And I said, what's vegan? And then she taught me what I could have, but she didn't tell me what I couldn't have, unfortunately. She's like, no, but then I said, I will if you help me. She says, I'll open, the, I'll, I'll open the, an Instagram page for you and see how we get on. Okay. So that's how that's how it all started. Like, you know what I mean? Oh. I had I had hundred followers the following day. I had three hundred and sixty five followers that day, and next year it went to skyrocketing. Thousands after that. Thirteen thousand followers and counting. Yes, <laughs> crazy, crazy. Like, I mean, okay. Would well, it would it be fair to say in, in in your job you you know you're working in 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 difficult conditions with sparks and heat, you're carrying weights of steel. Uh, all the time. Would it be fair to say that you're kind of old stock, though? You would have been a grafter all your life. Hard my life, yes. Everything's hard way. You know, it's, it's, everything's done more than that. We worked very hard at our job, like, I mean, we worked very hard, and there was very little health and safety when we started, like, you know what I mean? So yeah. Just, got on with it just get it. the job done. Get the job done, exactly, like, you know, and now, like, I mean, there's, 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 and it's good, like, you mean, you know, it's changed, like, you mean, there's a lot of regulations now, like, you mean, and that's good. That's good. That's good. Okay, so you, you would, of course, with these pains coming in your left side, have had, I, I imagine, have had everything done. I mean, MRIs, ultrasounds. Everything, uh, you name it, I did it. They didn't the catch what was wrong with you, but somebody in Dublin from a hair of your head could tell you exactly. That's, that's it, yeah, yeah, that's it. She, she, she got it like you have one hair sample and she sorted it out for me. And uh, I started to feel better possibly after maybe two or three weeks. I couldn't believe it myself. Because I wasn't able to walk, you know, I was crippled with pain, you know. And then it all started for me, like you mean. And I was now I can leave actually over the cliffs of Moher now, and I'm after coming up the steps, and I ran up along the steps, and there's a lot of steps up along there, no problem whatsoever, no pain, no pain whatsoever. It just it just changed my life completely, changed my life. Okay. Because I I thought I thought I was going to end up like you mean going around with sticks, not being able to walk properly, but thanks be to God. Yeah, because, uh, you know, at, at your age, any ailment you would expect to increase yeah, in intensity. I was a very traditional leader. I was a very traditional leader. I was a man, like, you know, you had to work for yourself, like, you know, I was in your regular age. I tried to have a big dinner, you know, and 
Yeah, steak and spuds and pull like a dog. Oh, look, it's then plenty of butter on top, but like, you couldn't get enough. Like, okay. So that was it. So going, going on dairy may have done it for you, but your daughter convinced you to go vegan. For the uninitiated, what's the difference? Yeah, for, for, with vegan, like, I mean, you can't have any meat at all. I mean, the one thing I miss is I can't even have an egg. And I can't have honey. That's the strict vegan diet. And I've, I, I, I've stuck to that because I said if I have no pain, I'm going to stick with the diet. Now, it can be difficult. It can be difficult. Like, you know, for people, you know, people say, is it easy? And I said, no, it's not. It's difficult. You know, it's difficult. Like, I mean, I don't know when I stand up the rest of my life, like, you know, but uh, I'm used to it now. Uh, when I started first, like, you know, there was ingredients out there that I never heard of in my life. And so I was trying to cook and it was, was priceless. Yeah. You know, absolutely priceless. Like, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I was making mistakes and I was doing, you know, Vietnamese curries and all this. Like, I mean, sure, I had no idea what I was doing. But, but I, I got better. I got better. And then I got a lot of help from all over the country from companies sending me, you know, recipes and recipe books and, and ingredients for food. Like, I mean, it was fantastic. Like, the, the response I got was just unbelievable. unbelievable. Okay. Now, you have, as they say, a penchant for dressing up in women's clothes. And I mean that in the <laughs> nicest possible way because all, all you're doing is you're sending up, really, uh, the fashion industry with your own take and trying to copy. And people are going to have to go and research this themselves on social media. I'm not sure what we can or will be allowed. Maybe you'll allow us to put some up on our own uh, Neil Prendival yeah. social media. But you're an absolute hoot. Yeah, it's good fun. Like, I mean, um, it was my daughter, Tara. My daughter, Tara, she's... she's um, she was up to this and she said, Dad, you know, she, I think you should do a little bit of modeling. You know what I mean? And I said, yeah, what kind of modeling? So then she started picking out things and she said, you know, we'll dress up as this, like, you know, but, you know, we had, it was hilarious and we had great fun doing it. And we're actually going to do more of them now. She's more of them picked out because she's actually, she's a professional musician with Riverdance. Oh, she's, she's a Riverdance. Is she a dancer or a musician with them? No, she's a musician. She's dealing Piper with Riverdance. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I saw one yeah, of the videos so. of you kind of dancing at the beach with her. That's right, yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah. yeah but, uh, how we get on great, you know what I mean? It isn't a kind of a, we're great friends rather than a, a father-daughter thing like that. We're great yeah. friends. Like, you know? So, you know, obviously the veganism has given you the required impetus to feel healthy again and enjoy life. Um, yes. Do you think at, at your stage of life, you're soon to be 68, that having the old bit of crack is important as well? Sure, look at uh, especially during lockdown, so people were gone too serious and they were feeling bad, like, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that's why we started doing these videos, so people kind of laugh. We don't laugh enough in this country. You know, mm. we don't laugh enough. We that's for sure. And, and I'm glad your message is coming out today because it's been a pretty gloomy topic, uh, you know, with all of these increases and, and inflation yeah, and that. Terrible. It's, it's, it's hard to find the positive story these days. It is. It's very hard, like, you know, but, you know, the, the way I look at these things, like, you know, I was having a family of five, like,
No, but you yeah. learn how to live and live with less and you can be a lot happier. No, but it's, it's a state of mind really as much as anything else, isn't it? Of course it is. Of course it is. Like Patrick, tell, tell me about the vegan song. The vegan song, yeah, how the vegan song started, like people didn't, yeah, kept it, missed me like me, are you still vegan, are you still vegan? So Tara, she was actually going off a river and she said, yeah, we do that. Said, I'll write a song for you. And uh, I said, yeah, because I'd be shy enough like me, you know, doing a recording. And uh, so then she was leaving for Europe, for a tour in Europe, we'll say on the Sunday, and she said, now we bring me to Galway on the Friday. And I said, I said, Tara, I said, you're able to drive yourself to Galway. No, she said, I'd be worried about the city traffic. So I said, okay, so I I bring you over. So we took off on the Friday morning, and halfway between all those things, she said, we'll do a little bit of a detour here. And she brought me to a recording studio, studio outside Goth in Galway. She had it all set up. She had a song written for me and she said, no, Dad, said, you're going to sing in this and you're going to record it. That's how that started. Didn't have much of a choice then, did you? I had no choice whatsoever, but I wouldn't have done it probably if I had a choice. No choice. And like, it was great fun then, you know, we recorded it in one take. I just, I one just, take? I just, one take. Ed Sheeran yeah. wouldn't do that. <laughs> okay, well, Porig, you're talking to me now on Cork's Hit Music Station, Red FM, right? Yes. And I only do this show about five or six weeks a year, but I like coming in here now and again. Yes. Keep my hand yes. in, you know what I mean? How yes. safe am I playing this song here? Oh, you're very safe. You're very <laughs> safe. Um, I, uh, I passed out at Turin for five days, you know what I mean, when, when we... When we let it out first. You did not. I, I just brought Ed Sheeran up out of the blue. You actually did, did you? Actually, yes, for five days because I didn't realise it. Yes, my daughter didn't realise it and people started uh, contacting us. Like, I mean, we, we, we knocked him off his pedestal for five or six days. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I remember back when I had the wind-up albums, right? Uh, there, there was one hit the top 40 and it was at number 37. Uh, but going down after about a year and a half uh, in, in the charts were compilations from Led Zeppelin the Beatles and the Eagles, I think. They were 38, 39 and 40. And I, it, those days you didn't have a phone to take a picture of it and I lost the bit of paper, but it would have been so funny uh, Wonderful. Wonderful. to keep it, you know. Oh, uh, okay. Let's, the chip is all the chip is all wind up. They wouldn't believe you. That's been good. <laughs> you know, good. You know, but that's, that's Okay. It. That's it. Stay with me, Porik. We'll give this as much time as we can, all right? Well, hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well. I'm here to sing a song and a story I will tell. It's about this vegan journey and how I'm getting on. And I hope that when you hear it, you'll start to sing along. I wish you health and happiness for all of your days. It was back in February my life began to change. I started a vegan diet and it seemed so very strange. I was cooking meals I never heard of like a Vietnamese curry. I was listening on the radio and dancing on TV. The vegan song, uh, I better uh, cut it there because, you know, hit music and that and that song, they don't go hand in hand, but it's a great song and a great story, Podrick. Are you proud of it? It charted for a little while anyway. 
Yeah, yes. Look at his. Look at the way. Look at it. Is if you could make one person happy every day of the week, you're succeeding in doing something right. Yeah. And that's what I. That's what I want to do this all my life. I like to see people with more of a smile on their face, you know, and be happier. Yeah, an old buddy of mine, Flash, the king of Kinsale, uh, had an old saying. He said, if you can open the bulbs in the morning and put the two paws out in the ground, you're winning straight away. Yeah, but I always say, like, you mean people say, how are you today? I said, well, I got up this morning, I dressed myself without any help, I I ate my breakfast without any help, and I said, the rest of the day is a bonus to me then. Well, fantastic. You you have a fabulous attitude. And where can people find your your send-ups of fashion and uh, the dancing with the daughter and all that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, sing and step with Padraig is it in Instagram. Sing and step with Padraig. That's what you, that's what they're Sing in or yeah. and. Sing no, Sing and step. Sing and step with Padraig. That's what it is. Sing and step with Padraig. You've, you're a man yeah. who um, has the willpower. Can I say to change lives? You gave up a cigarette habit, which was a mortgage. Actually, eighty cigarettes a day. Eighty cigarettes a day. I was a chain smoker. I used to smoke ten cigarettes every morning before my breakfast. Ten before breakfast? Before breakfast every morning, and that's no exaggeration. Anyone can tell you, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and I, had to, I tried everything. I tried everything to try and give them up. Like, you know, I give them up for a week or two weeks, three weeks, and I did that again. But I was listening to a program on television one night, and I actually, I can't think of his name. He was a doctor from America. He was doing something. And was it Alan said, Carr? If you, want, if you want. Yes. Yeah. If you, want, if you want to stop smoking, stop. Be a non-smoker. So I came out to the I came out to the workshop where we were working. I had a good two lads work with me, and I said, "Lads, listen, I'm giving up the cigarettes." And so they all laughed. And I said, "Okay." I put on a bet with you, like you know what I mean. If I give up the cigarettes for three months, you know, you've also given me fifty euros each. You know, no, I gave up the cigarettes, but the buggers that didn't give me the fifty euros, like you know, <laughs> the fifty euros each. You know, but uh, you should uh, have made a know, promise it to charity. Then they would have been beholden. You know, they would have been morally obliged to pay it. Well, in actual fact, what I did was I shamed them all together, like, you mean, that was, that was in probably November and in Christmas, like, you mean, I gave uh, St. Vincent de Paul, the 50s that were supposed to give me, I gave, instead of giving them Christmas bonuses, I gave them St. Vincent de Paul, like, you mean, plus the 50 you were supposed to give me. That's what I did with it. So you got uh, them in the end. So Sing and yeah, Step yeah. with Padraig, is, is that on Instagram or what? Instagram, yes. yes okay, yes. 13,000 followers as of today. Uh, f- final question, honestly now, how better do you feel compared to what you were? Different person completely. That's been honest. That's been honest. I, I'm pain free with over twelve months now, maybe a year and a half. All over changing my diet. I don't know what it is. I can't. I can't say anything. I never When I change my diet, things improve for me. Are you not bored with the food you, yet? I'll tell you how bad I was. I remember one Christmas a couple of years ago, where we live. We live out in the country, and there's a hill beside the house and I said to my wife children I said I'm going to time that hill before the Christmas dinner she killed you so I took off and I got halfway up and I had to turn back I was so bad with pain mm-hmm. so I had to turn back so that was that was that was that, that's uh, now I've no problem whatsoever not bored I mean, with the food yet Porrig no? look at look at you get used to it you know sometimes sometimes if you go for a meal I find it difficult to get vegan vegan stuff now it's getting better you know, it's getting better, but that's that's the one drawback you have. Like, I mean, it's, it's very. I, I love soup. It's very hard to get a vegan soup. Yeah, they yeah. put cream, they put milk in it. Like, you know, that's the one thing that I miss. You know, but I, it, it's improving. It's improving. Yeah, okay. Well done. It's we improving. salute. We salute your indomitable spirit, your positivity, uh, the fact that you, you. Don't, you you don't mind being, you know, poking a little fun at yourself and dressing up in. Uh, like so, some of these fashion statements are ridiculous, and you're just. 
I won't say taken. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say taken the. You're extracting the yes. urine from them. Yes, yes, I, yeah, yeah. But don't look at look at the way you look at these things. Like, you know what I mean? So isn't it great if you can do something like that? And if people get to laugh out of it, you know what it's about. Keep dancing, keep singing, and keep laughing, Patrick. It's been a pl- pleasure to talk to you. That's what I'm doing. Look at nice talking to you as well. Okay? All the best. Cheers. Bye bye. Okay. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 Red FM. Now, I need to make a quick correction to a group that was named as Helping Jackie. They're actually not called the Cork Homeless Group. They're called the Cork City Homeless Group. So a big thanks to everyone who go in touch, uh, who got in touch to help Jackie, uh, including Paul and all of the Cork City Homeless Group. Uh, there is a distinction, I suppose, and just uh, as well to get it correct, Cork City Homeless Group. Apologies to you for that. Uh, but ha- uh, thank you very much for providing Jackie with a hamper. Uh, so there you go. Now then, let's go to, and I want to get to some text. I don't want to leave the text all built up until Friday. So I made a kind of commitment. Let's get uh, through every text from today today if at all we can, but back to the phone lines uh, first, and that's Mick on line two. Hiya, Mick. How's it going there? Not too uh, bad. I, I, I was just saying, I was just listening to the other way to go about the, the price of stuff going up and everything. The, 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 I blame the government for that, no, right? And the last time the government made a big disaster like that was in 1960-odd, when they changed pound shilling pence to Desmond. Do you understand? Do you remember yeah, yeah, that, I, no? yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you went to bed, was it how many shillings were in a pound back then? There was a, uh, there was twenty shillings in a pound, which was uh, two hundred and forty pennies, right? This yeah. Now? And you you had two hundred and forty pennies with a pound in your pocket, and you woke up with a hundred. That was the biggest hobble going in Irish history. Yeah, but the hundred would buy you the same as the two hundred and forty no, would the night no, before. No, 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 that was just that was the start of the robbery. That was the start. That was leading up to the euro. They changed it to the, to the pound, right? And it, it became pence, right? And then all of a sudden, then after a few years of that, the euro came in then, and then we were governed by the euro. Do you understand me? Yeah, I, I think we're the only country in Europe, if I remember correctly. So that was 2000, 2001, wasn't it? 2000. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we were the only country in Europe where we, we actually went down. So uh, we had, uh, I think the euro, was, was, the, was the euro no, worth they- 87 pence or something? Something like that, yeah. But yeah. prior to that, it was decimalization. They called it decimalization first. Mm. They introduced decimalization. They went from the pound, right? That's which right. Which was 20 shillings or 240 pennies to the... The pound. Pence. The, to the pounds. And there was only 100 pence in the pound. Yeah, that's right. You understand me? And yeah, then but, but they much, robbed much, us there. Much easier to do the mathematics. They still robbing us. E- right? e- easy to do the mathematics. Why, yeah, easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, the, the banks, the banks are printing money, especially in in America. They're printing money by the new time. It's called quantitative yes. easing, uh, yes. and and nothing to back it. Well, but, but they're still fucking. Sorry, I apologise there. Sorry, they're still printing it. Like you know what I mean? I talking about the government here today. Like the, everything is going up because of the war. Granted, mm. right? no, some things will have to go up because of the war. But the disaster that was happened in nineteen. I think it was around 1961 or 60, 60s, anyway, the 60s, when they changed from the pounds, from the pounds, shillings and pence to the decimalization, mm-hmm. which was pounds and pennies, right? 
That was the time they, they robbed the people and they're still robbing the people. The government are still robbing the people. But don't they're you find, Mick, that if, if you travel abroad now, with the exception of the UK, of course, yeah. that you are in Northern yeah, yeah. Ireland or Scotland or Wales, yeah. uh, that the euro is very handy now, that you know what you have, you know what you're spending, you know what things cost. Well, uh, you, you, you want to be stupid if you didn't know what you had when you, were go- when you went to remember when you went to Spain in the, before they went into the euro. Yeah, they had pesetas. The pesetas. And you could get twice as much for, for the pesetas than you would for the pound. Here. You understand me? Yeah. You have to live with people over there. Like. Yeah, in okay. a way. I, I remember reading a letter one time from way back when, uh, around the time of decimalization, from an, old, an yeah. elderly lady in Spangle Hill. Yeah. Spangle yeah. Hill. Uh, what's know, that called yeah. now? Far, it's called Farnry Hill. Farnry, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So Spangle Hill anyway. And and yeah. she was complaining to the um, the Cork examiner at the time that uh, it's too, they, you know, why don't they wait till all the old people die before they... Uh, <laughs> and I think the point was lost on her. Uh, it has to happen sometime. But it was, it was, a, it was it's an amusing uh, letter to yeah. remember in retrospect, you know. Anyway, Mick, they, thank, yeah, everything's going up. They're full, the people, they're full of people then, and then in 1969 they bought in the Mastic Treaty, and they're full of people then as well. The people voted no for the Mastic Treaty, I think I'm pronouncing it right. And in yeah. 1996, they voted for the Mastic Treaty, and the people said no, and they brought it through again to suit the European people, and the EU, sorry, to suit the EU, they forced it on the people again, and they accepted it. And they didn't know. They didn't know what they were letting themselves in for. Yeah, I, I remember the, the Maastricht Treaty. It, it was yeah. it was rejected by this country, and the politicians That's said, right, yeah. I, I "Look, we, we kind of need it. We kind of need you to say yes." That's will it, will, will and you vote again? The people, they fooled the people then as well. Do you think they're still fooling thanks us today, Mike? Right. Thanks for listening. To, listen. Not to a you. problem. How's life with you? Well, good, good, good. I'm chilling out though. Like I'm retired now, and trying uh, up. You making yeah. ends meet? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm seventy. I'm seventy-two now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of a struggle at times, like, oh, what we have to get on with? I should. Well, who's going to give you anything nowadays? <laughs> That's true. Mick, it's lovely to talk to you. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Now, in the process of getting to uh, the texts. Let's look at some of the stuff that came in today. Neil, my father, it's Mick actually, but uh, my father's 67, but still in great form, and he desperately needs to work, more so for his mental health than anything else. He isn't ready to retire. However, the way he's struggling to find a job that accepts aged people is near forcing him to retire. Would any of your listeners know of any companies who would be willing to employ him, preferably in North Cork? However, he will travel anywhere. He's been turned down by so many places already because of his age. He would be looking to do anything, really. He's highly qualified and experienced within the foundry industry, but he's happy to also do driving or general work. Please read this out and see if there's anyone who knows of anything. Thank you. And if you do know who uh, might employ uh, a very capable 67-year-old for driving or any foundry work uh, that may be out there and may be out there, please get in touch with us. You can phone us on 0808-104-106 or text 0868-104-106. On the bonkers item we did, SSE said they put their prices up because the government is going to implement a windfall tax on energy companies' profits. The government doesn't have a clue, says Pat. On driving instructors, hi Mick, I've noticed many driving instructors expect uh, the students to arrive to them 
rather than come to the student's location. Basically, those who should not drive alone are expected to do so. How is this request legal if someone can't have an accompanying driver for every single lesson just to get the instructor? It seems they're encouraging unaccompanied driving. Kind regards. Please keep my name anonymous. Uh, A text about antisocial behaviour on public transport. Morning, Mick. Just listening to the news about disruption and antisocial behaviour on trains up to and including physical fights and, did I hear that correctly, soiling on the trains. Uh, Not to mention drug runs and dealing. Between that and bus drivers uh, being assaulted both physically and verbally, is it time for transport police? I believe it is. Uh, They have them in every other country in Europe. Maybe you could pose the question to your listeners. So, is it time, and I know there's been increased guard of presence and activity uh, on certain train runs uh, at the moment. They're being very visible, but uh, we're posing the question to listeners now. Is it time for transport police so that the population uh, of Ireland can travel safely? Uh, NASA means Santa Claus for adults, says another texture. You must be from the moon if you honestly believe that someone landed on the moon 50 years ago. How can an American flag be blowing on the moon when there's no air up in space? Uh, Another one says, Morning, Mick, now that the American government has practically admitted that UFOs are real, can you ask David Moore his thoughts on that? Too late now, but uh, we've read your text anyway. Uh, I mentioned in the newspaper review the uh, desire from the Vintners uh, that excise would be cut on alcohol to keep many, many pubs open. And uh, this texture says to cut excise would require TDs, senators and civil servants to take a pay cut. Uh, the same people who took two pay rises during the COVID. Do you think that'll happen? And on the Ch- uh, Ukraine charity hub, this text came in this morning. Uh, I was passing the Ukrainians charity hub in Merchants Key last night and was ashamed that a so-called Irish person caused it to close. What's happening to our Ireland? Where's the compassion? The Irish welcome. We are one of the best nations in the world for helping people. Some Ukrainians might drive Porsches or Mercedes. So what? They left their country, their homes and their jobs. Just remember the torture and killing that was happening that time is and still is. I'm Irish. I'm sorry. I'm hurt. And I'm ashamed of what was done, says Desi. Now, the... Uh, other item that I wanted to get to came from Energia.ie. I was asking about leaving stuff on standby. Leaving the immersion on is any family member's idea of a modern day nightmare these days. Uh, not only will you have to take the blame for the electricity bill that awaits as a result, but you'll have to also have to fork out what feels like your life savings to pay for it. Uh, but here are some ideas. It's not the uh, immersion, it's the only appliance in the house that uses a lot of electricity. Yep, despite popular belief, there's plenty of other electrical appliances in an Irish household that use a lot of energy and can cause energy bills to fluctuate. These are just some of them. The tumble dryer. Uh, Good drying weather isn't always a guarantee in Ireland, so the tumble dryer is often relied upon by households across the country. Unfortunately, your average tumble dryer uses a lot of energy. The power consumption depends on your tumble dryer's energy rating, which is why experts suggest upgrading your tumble dryer every 10 years at a minimum to benefit from better energy ratings. I mentioned this in the interview, keeping the TV on standby, unplugging household appliances when you're jetting off on a sun holiday or won't be around the house for a few days is a pretty common occurrence for many of us. Many of us worry about fires as well, of course, coming from uh, plugged in and stand on standby appliances. A study from U-Switch shows that 98% of households leave the TV on standby for over 11 hours per day. That's across in the UK. When we turn appliances off but leave them plugged in, 
That's what's referred to as standby energy. And items such as the TV still use about 20% of the electricity even when they're on standby. The kettle has always been a big one, of course. We know that making cups of tea for every member of the house uses a lot of personal energy. But did you know it also uses a surprising amount of electricity to heat the water up quickly? So the top tip here is to make sure you only boil the amount of water you need to help with energy uses and electric bills. A lot of, a lot of kettles give measurements along the side to help you make sure you're boiling just the right amount. But never, never go under the minimum or you'll burn out the element. Your water heater. Uh, we couldn't make it through this list without giving an honourable mention to the immersion known as the water heater. You must always, always keep uh, an eye on whether it's switched on or not or whether you're producing hot water you're never going to use. Fully charged appliances. If you regularly leave your phone, laptop or tablet plugged into charge, even after it's fully charged, it's important to know this is a surefire way to waste energy needlessly. The next time you're charging any of your appliances, make sure to simply plug them out afterwards. The washing machine, renowned for using large amounts of energy, very necessary in all households though, uh, and a lot of times increasing energy costs, but all hope is not lost. There's one reliable step you can take towards lowering the amount of energy the washing machine uses. Put on a full load and try a cool wash. Most of the energy used by the washing machine is to heat the water. So opting for cold rather than hot water could benefit you in the long run. And the fridge freezer, finally, is one of the few appliances in the house that has to run all day and all night. And this makes it one of the biggest energy users in every household. Make sure you defrost your fridge freezer regularly. Don't leave the door open when you're taking food out because uh, it's just warming up the fridge and the fridge is trying to uh, cool down the whole room. Don't leave the door open when you're taking food out and, of course, upgrade your appliance to a more energy-efficient model if you have it for a long period of time. We've got our own fridge 22 years. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818 it's 18 minutes to 12 midday. Mick Mulcahy on the uh, Neil Prandeville Show. The Monforts are celebrating 60 years this year, culminating in a gala concert in the Opera House on the 1st of September. Now, the concert will feature over 200 Monforts, past and present. Is there enough room back, uh, backstage for that, Trevor? On line two from the Monforts. Hi, Trevor. Good morning, Mick. Hi there. Very good. Congratulations on 60 years. Thank you very much. Of course, the Monfords would have been synonymous with the uh, the pantomimes of yesteryear. Can we, can we start at the beginning? What happened 60 years ago and who started this wonderful movement? So back in 1962, Eileen Nolan amalgamated a core of our group from Prez and a core of our group from um, South Prez. Um, and they performed in core of competitions in Tesh Matthew. Um, and then two years after that, um, they sung their first song. Don't Let the Rain Come Down on Me. Um, and they were asked to... They didn't have a name at the time. They were essentially known as a core reverse group. So the name Monford came from um, our founder, Eileen Nolan's house. Okay. I was wondering because I thought it was a surname or something. No. Um, yeah, it was the name of the house, uh, Monford. Um, and it stuck six years later. Okay, Wow. Uh, and now you're going to have many members from the original lineup coming back, of course, uh, returning for the concert. But let's let's look at the history of the Monfords. How did they sustain? Uh, what was it by uh, paid memberships? Was it by schooling people to dance and in the art of theatre? Um, t- tell me a little bit about the sixty years between then and now. 
I think there was two strands to it. There was obviously the stage school element. Um, and again, Eileen Nolan founded the, the Montfort Stage School 60 years ago. Um, and she literally travelled the length and breadth of Munster um, teaching as far um, east as uh, Waterford and as far down as Middleton. Um, and again, I mean, it's her teaching, um, which is, I suppose, synonymous with the, the, the best of... Um, uh, I suppose creativity and encouraging kids to to pursue their ambitions, build their confidence, um, and grow into well-rounded, self-assured individuals. Um, and then, in terms of the Montford Singers, they used to meet every Tuesday night. They used to pay a little sub of a couple of euro or a couple of pounds back in the day. Um, and again, they put on um, an annual musical in the Cork Opera House, starting, I suppose, in 1979 with West Side Story. They followed it the following year with. Um, Oklahoma, they did Maine, um, Hello Dolly, Camelot. Um, so they were doing, that was the golden age of the Montfords when they were presenting these huge full-scale musicals in the opera house to, to packed audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it's been a very, uh, very colourful 60 years, but you've literally, I suppose, have tens or had tens of thousands of students pass your doors over the past 60 years. And that's across Cork City and County and beyond. Absolutely. Um, and again, we've invited so many people back. I mean, there's people who've traveled from the uh, west coast of the States. We have people traveling from Switzerland, from the UK um, to celebrate Eileen Nolan and the Montforts on Thursday night in the Opera House. So we have a cast of 190. 190, um, not quite again, 200. Not quite 200. Uh, we just wouldn't fit them on the stage. <laughs> okay. Um, and again, we have we have some people who've come back um, who were in the original lineup back in 1962. And when we started rehearsals um, a number of weeks ago, I mean, to see the love and the friendship in the room and, and some people haven't reconnected for 20, 30 years. It's just been absolutely fantastic to see. What kind of a show is it going to be then? It is, um, it's a musical theatre show with memorable standards from Hello Dolly, West Side Story, Camelot, Matilda, Anything goes, Oklahoma, um, and again, it's it's a trip down memory lane, um, and we hope to feature many of the Montford highlights through the decades. Um, the plan is to open the archives and relive some of the great Montford moments, performances, and experiences um, with a whole host of various items and surprise acts. Um, and again, the lineup is incredible. I mean, it's it really is going to be the, the musical theatre event of the year. We've got Magella Culler. Valerie O'Leary, Shirley McCarthy, Irene Warren, Michael Sands, uh, Frank Toomey, uh, Kieran Birmingham, um, and Claire O'Leary, who is currently starring in Les Mis in the West End. In Les Mis in the West End, yeah. I'm just looking at some of yeah. the list of your past students and members here. Frank Toomey, who of course made his name with Bosco, am I correct? Yes. Uh, yes Norma Sheehan from Bridget and Eamon, Stephen O'Leary, yeah. from, uh, Zach Dillon in Fair City, Frank Mackey. Uh, who was from Nanny Nelly, Irene Warren, you've just mentioned, in the West End, Claire, o- Claire O'Leary as well uh, in Les Mis in the West End, Cahal Dunn, uh, of course, Cahal Dunn might be more remembered by people as a Eurovision singer, uh, 1978, he came fifth, I can't remember the song. Um, Happy Man. Happy Man, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, and uh, Jennifer Barry, who played a big part in The Young Offenders as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's literally a who's who of, of Cork Theatre, um, and Cahill Dunn actually is doing a little kind of a surprise appearance for us. Cahill couldn't um, make it to the show. But back in 1971, the, uh, the Montfords recorded a record called Butterfly. Um, and Cahill was the lead singer on that. So Cahill has recorded the first verse and chorus for us. Um, so that's going to appear on the screen. And then the orchestra will swell. 
and the original members from that rock record back in 1971 will, will take it up and, 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 and finish the song. Okay, it's great stuff. So it's, it's the Monfort 60th birthday gala. It's on Thursday next, 1st of September at 8pm. A wonderfully entertaining array of theatre delights not to be missed. Tickets are going well, but there are still some available, yeah? Just a few. Okay, www.corkoperahouse.ie. Do you know what they cost? Uh, 40 euro. 40 euro. Okay, but a great night out, a one-off, really. You, you won't get a chance to Absolutely. see it again, I suppose. Well, maybe not for another 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> very good. No, it's good. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks a million. All the best. That is You're Trevor there welcome. from uh, the Monforts. Uh, now, trying to get through the huge amount of text the program's generating this morning. Uh, on the price increases and providing um, uh, switching providers, be careful when sharing bins, as there's a minimum charge, and then any additional weight is charged per weight. Uh, so sharing uh, could become very expensive. Uh, please share this with the listeners. And uh, listeners texted in a message they got from Country Clean. Dear customer, as and from the 14th of September 2022, your collection charges will be increased by one euro per lift on each bin type presented for collection, uh, i.e. the 140 litre to uh, 240 litre waste to 11.99. 140 and 240 litre recycling to 599, compost to 7 and glass to 499. We have worked to keep our costs as low as possible. Unfortunately, due to the continuous increases in our operational costs, we have no option but to implement this increase. Thank you for your valued custom. And that is from Country Clean. I actually met the very nice and affable owner of Country Clean, Dave O'Regan, at a recent christening uh, near Shambla. Now, if you don't know where Shambla is, uh, that's the uh, the only name that anyone from Shanballymore uh, would call it. That's the colloquialism. Shambla. Uh, and best wishes to uh, young uh, Ivy May O'Farrell, who was christened that day. But uh, Dave, I met Dave at that event because he owns the local pub. Now, it's not local, I suppose. It's five minutes from Shambla, five minutes from Mallow, five minutes from Castletown Roach. Uh, and I'm not sure how long he'll keep this going. But every drink in the pub was four euro. Everything. Except the mixers. They were one euro. Uh, and that made for a great evening and a lot of comment and social commentary and social media afterwards. So everything was four euro. He's getting it up and going, trying to put it on the map. Every mixer was one euro. Not exactly sure of the town land, but it's five minutes from those places I just mentioned. Anyway, hi Mick, these service provider companies know that most people are lazy and don't switch. So they really don't care. Uh, I see it myself talking to friends and family. If everyone switched, even if it was for only a euro less, all these companies, electric, gas, broadband, car insurance, etc., would all be forced to lower prices and be more competitive because everybody would be a new customer and everybody would be entitled uh, to get that discount they're talking about. And one more. It's a rant on holidayers in West Cork. Uh, hi, Mick. Lovely to hear you on the radio, but I have a huge rant. People from all over the world are very welcome here and we love them to come. But I'm moaning about the apartments in Inchidani. I know people who rent them and some people who've bought them, but there are some people coming down from the city and make their unbelievable snobs. They think they own the place. I don't know who they think they are. They'd hardly say hello. Everyone is quite friendly here and kids always play together, but not their kids. Uh, what is that teaching their children? Maybe they have big jobs. Does that make them better people? No, it doesn't. Uh, we are glad when they go away back to their snobby world as we can do without them here. People from all over the world come to Tlana. We welcome them uh, with open arms, but no snobs here, please. It annoyed me so much, Mick, as we're all the same. That's my rant. Rant over. Uh, that's Marie from beautiful Tlan. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM.
And Neil Prenival returns from holiday next Monday morning. This is Mick Mulcahy. Just turned seven minutes to midday. They say it is very unkind sometimes to mention a lady's age. But this is a very nice request I got to get around to that. It comes from all the Holloways and all the Fahis, all of her children, her grandchildren. I'm sure Timmy the Hubby is in there as well. But can I just send out congratulations to Marie Holloway, the Queen of Passage. Uh, Passage West, that is. Marie Holloway, congrats on the big birthday. And they're not mentioning your age. But serious, hearty congratulations on finally, after all the years, getting your bus pass. Happy birthday, Marie. Line two, let's go to Ashling Devitt. Hi, Ashling. Hi, Mick. How are things? Good. No, you're a paediatric epilepsy nurse, uh, and that's not what we're on to talk about. Uh, but you did the Ironman in Yall on the 14th of August, and now you're doing another one, an ultra one. This is an ultra yeah. night run in Kerry, yeah. on the Kerry Way. A hundred yeah. kilometres run through the night. That's the plan anyway, yeah. <laughs> you can actually run a hundred kilometres? Um, yeah, I suppose I did it last year um, and it went very well and I got married at the start of this year and my now husband got me a gift to do it again <laughs> this year. I mean, so that's the, how it's come about. <laughs> you know, I would have thought the ultimate endurance test was the 42 kilometre that is the 26 and a quarter miles of the marathon. Uh, no, you can you can do a lot more. <laughs> you can do a lot more. This is all new to me. You can actually kind of do two and a half times that, can you? You can, and actually in the on the Kerry Way on Friday there'll be the full as well. So I'll be doing half of the Kerry Way starting at nine o'clock Friday night. But there's actually a, a good couple of hundred people doing the full Kerry Way. So they start um, Friday morning at six a.m. And they'll run for anything from 24 to 36 hours to complete the full 200 kilometres. Oh, my God. Okay. Now, you're aiming <laughs> a, aiming to, uh, to raise €8,000. You're just yeah. over halfway there at just under 5K, 4955, yeah. I think. I want to yeah. mention, mention the charities that you're working here for or towards yeah. uh, because you want to give 1000 to each charity. So it would be very nice if you could hit the, uh, the eight target and give them all an even grant. It's all in aid of Jack and Jill. Laurel Lynn Hospice, Cork City Hospitals yeah. Children's Club, the COH Charity, the Irish Guide Dogs, the Irish Dogs for the Disabled, Epilepsy Ireland, and Wildlife Rescue Cork. So a big, uh, you know, huge gambit of, uh, uh, that's a real smorgasbord of charities there. So it'll, yeah. it'll kind of cover everything in society, really, won't it? Yeah, that was the hope, I suppose, working where I work and doing what I do. I think the Jack and Jill, Laurel Lynn, the COH Charity, and Epilepsy Ireland are massive parts of my everyday job so I just wanted to give back to them and I've worked with Jack and Jill in the past and I've seen the incredible work they do with families in the house and giving respite to people so I just wanted to give back to them and then the children's club here in the CUH brings children on family trips and trips to Disneyland and Fantastic. things like that and I was, I was actually one of those children when I was younger so I wanted to give back to them um, as well and then I suppose the guide dogs Again, with the children I look after, I see lots of children benefiting and people benefiting from what they do. And then the Wildlife Rescue, I just think it's a nice small charity in Cork that is completely based off of charitable donations and volunteering. So I found a little hedgehog during the summer and what they do has kind of stuck with me. So I just wanted to give back a bit to them as well. Well, we so, can wish you all the very yeah. best, Ashling. And what we'll do right now is give out your GoFundMe. It's called Two, which is the number two. Two endurance uh, endurance events in aid of eight Irish charities. Simple to remember, uh, if a little cumbersome to type. Two endurance ev- uh, two endurance events in aid of eight Irish charities. You're very kind. Thank you, Ashling, and the very best of luck to you. Thanks, Mick. I appreciate the time. Thanks. Thank Cheers. Bye bye. Now, to uh, 
thank the producers of the programme this morning, Seamus Wheelahan, Claire and uh, Lee as well, but I want to dedicate this, we don't often play songs, uh, to my late first cousin, Brendan Mulcahy, who lost his battle with cancer last week. This was his favourite song. We said goodbye to him on Saturday. Tony Arat has the dance from Garth Brooks. Looking back on the memory of the dance we shared the dance Tony Arata's The Dance has sung by Garth Brooks for the memory of Brandon Mulcahy, a remarkable human being. And uh, my thoughts are with his mum, Mary, uh, his brothers, Jer and Joe, and uh, Merlin and Kian as well, and all of the hundreds and hundreds of friends he left behind. A remarkable human being with a huge heart. Good morning from the Neil Prendeville Show. Talk to you tomorrow morning after nine. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.